He's the oldest celebrity in the world. Like super old. Old enough to remember when dancing was a sin and beer was served in a bucket. But is he ready to lead? Hey America, I'm Paris Hilton and I'm a celebrity too. Only I'm not from the olden days and I'm not promising change like that other guy. I'm just hot. But then that wrinkly white haired guy used me in his campaign ad, which I guess means I'm running for president. So thanks for the endorsement, white haired dude. And I want America to know that I'm like totally ready to leave. And now I want to present my energy policy for America. Just as soon as I finish reading this article on where I can fly to to get the best hands. Maui. Loves it. Okay, so here's my energy policy. Barack wants to focus on new technologies to cut foreign oil dependency. And McCain wants offshore drilling. Well, why don't we do a hybrid of both candidates' ideas? We can do limited offshore drilling with strict environmental oversight while creating tax incentives to get Detroit making hybrid and electric cars. That way, the offshore drilling carries us until the new technologies kick in, which will then create new jobs and energy independence. Energy crisis solved. I'll see you at the debates, bitches. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go pick out a vice president. I'm thinking Rihanna. I'll see you at the White House. Oh, and I might paint it pink. I hope that's cool with you guys. Bye. I'm Paris Hilton, and I approve this message, so I think it's totally hot. It is 8 minutes and 11 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of August in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The Talker, 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 Dingo, Baby, Talker. Uh, thank you so much for being there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into comedy. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. What you should uh, join us today. 503-733-2970. 503 503- 7332970 uh Richie Bristol standing by ready willing and able and bluetooth enabled uh to stand uh, to uh, pass along your observations about the interesting the groundbreaking the tedious the mundane He's got these sunglasses that I initially made fun of until I realized how righteous they were Oh they're the coolest sunglasses ever Well because they look like they look like douche accessories they're... They kind of look like the cool sunglasses you get at the dollar store They look like something that one of those dicks uh, would wear that's like one of the guys at the poker table where he's all like Darth Vader guy, where it's like his mouth is covered by something, and he's got the big sunglasses and the hat, and he's sitting there trying to trying to play the mental game. Uh, Richie's got these sunglasses. They look kind of like the sunglasses Lars Ulrich was wearing in the late 90s, but then they have these little earbuds that go right into his ears, and they're Bluetooth-enabled, so he's walking around yesterday and today wearing sunglasses in the hallway, which A, looks stupid and great, and B, lets him hear the show anywhere he goes in the building. So there you go. In your face, everybody who's not Richie Bristol. Or in Bristol. life. Like, you can just wear them, like, riding a bike or anything, just listen to the radio. Totally. That's so neat looking. Uh, and then people don't yell at you for listening to your headphones. We should say, uh, full disclosure, uh, that is a thing that he's able to do because of his, yes, his iPhone. Uh, and so Thomas, the tech guy, one of our loyal listeners, kind of clued us into that, that if you have an iPhone, don't ask me the specifics. I think it's on the website. If you've got an iPhone, you can listen to the radio station and stream anywhere you go, anywhere that your iPhone receives service. 
Uh, so Thomas, he drives all over the country. He's like in Kalamazoo or Flint or some godforsaken place, listening to the show coming right out of his phone, presumably patched into his car uh, radio. It's a glorious golden time to be us. And everyone. Uh, all right. So, anywho, it is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thanks for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, two cents, uh, ruminations, recipes, uh, thoughts on rugula, whatever it is you might have. Uh, 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, big show today. Uh, coming. Boy, what a great show yesterday was. I don't mean to, I know on radio you're supposed to be looking forward, never looking back. I'm just going to take this one moment to say that yesterday was fantastic. First of all, uh, the unbelievably cool and scorchingly hot Ariana Richards. And I have to say this, there's no knock on her. It, not just the headshots of those photos we took in the hallway. They don't really do her justice. No, and they don't really do us justice either. Those I look like pictures. a gimp. She looks a little wonky in those photos, which is, which is, I, I almost strange because it's not at all what she looks beautiful. like. Beautiful. I almost don't want to post them uh, because you know people are gonna look. Oh, she's got a weird face, and she really doesn't. She's really just, just so very, very pretty. Uh, but those photos make her look a little weird. I almost don't want to put them up. I'm just pasting her headshot over the top. Anyway. Uh, she was great. And then, of course, Ryan's run, uh, the great Timmy Ryan Portland jog-off happening uh, yesterday. We heard a little bit of the recap. Uh, and just uh, I'll say this once, once and for all, our uh, thanks and congrats to Timmy Ryan himself, to Adam from the Pimp Squad, Richie, who helped coordinate a lot of that stuff. Uh, not to just to be too, uh, too up our own whatever's about this, but the radio is a, is a radio is a medium that is intangible in almost every way. Radio is a transitory thing, as Tom Likas would say, and it's, I mean, they use that cliche theater of the mind so much that it doesn't mean anything. But really, and this is not me, this is really uh, just Adam uh, and, and, and Timmy and those guys taking a guy running in a circle for three hours and made it interesting. And that's not an easy thing to do, friend. Uh, so the idea that you could just take a guy running in a circle and not stopping, not falling over, nothing's happening. He's running in a circle for three hours. And those guys were able to make it funny, compelling, interesting, entertaining. Uh, and if anybody thinks that is easy to do, it is just because you haven't tried to do it. So, uh, in any event. Uh, so, congratulations. It was funny. It was uh, well done. And Timmy Ryan is the healthiest person we know. Oh, well, i got to go to Pop Culture Zoo right now and see if they're redirecting or see if they put that link up. PopCultureZoo.com. Part of the bet was that PopCultureZoo.com would uh, put a little Timmy Ryan thing at the top of their page for like a week or something. Uh, let's see. PopCultureZoo.com. Uh, there we go. Brought to you by Timmy Ryan, the healthiest man in the universe. Click here to I visit his it. MySpace page. All right, I'm now going to click there to visit Timmy Ryan's MySpace page. I wonder what it says. Does it say bitches somewhere or like F you all? Or... All right, let's see here. Uh, MySpace.com slash Tim Ryan Radio. Looking at that now, wondering what message of boasting or gloating uh, will be uh, will be up there. Does it say page play music when you go there? Um, I don't and know. And if so, is it Dick Dale? All right. No, I think I don't know. All right, we'll let it load. Um, anyway, so uh, so congratulations on the test yesterday. Coming up today, though, an equally great show. Lisa Desjardins will be joining us today from the Hill. Uh, we'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent Steve Pastenbaum, who I believe is talking about. Well, he's talking about John Gotti Jr. Here we go. Timmy Ryan, the healthiest person at CBS Radio. That's his quote. At least it's better than sure. the Dirk Diggler of radio. Seriously. Uh, 
And so we'll talk to a Steve Kastenbaum, who was uh, in New York City where John Gotti Jr. was uh, arrested or busted or whatever. But we're also going to ask him, I guess there's some story about they're really trying to cut down on the amount of groping that happens on New York City subways, which I always thought was just like an added benefit. But we'll talk to him about uh, people uh, getting their grope on uh, in the subways and what they're trying to do about it. What else? Peter Carlin from the Oregonian will join us today now that Tim Riley and myself have both seen everything has to work on our schedule. Now that Tim and I have seen the second episode of this season's Mad Men, which is great. I watched it again last night with my wife. Um, even watching it a second time, it has so it's just so great. It holds so much of its punch. And I, I just uh, anyway, it's just it's a piece of it's a piece of beauty. It really is. I'm not going to say it's the best show in the history of, of the medium, but it's good. It's so good that it makes. Don't get me wrong. As I think we said yesterday, I love trash. I love trash in all of its many forms. I love, I love squishy bad nacho cheese from 7-Eleven. Uh, I love, I love uh, tabloids. I love, uh, I love uh, records by guys with spandex and big hair. Uh, I love, uh, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, but there's something you watch Mad Men and you do. It's like, it's like just eating a particularly well put together and just sumptuous meal. And you just kind of go, ah, that's great, uh, you know. And, and then it makes you feel like you can go back and watch some more trash because you sort of take care, taking care of your culture for the week. Like Swingtown? No, no, not at all. Like Swing. Swingtown is creepy. Swingtown is kind of trashy. Do you? I mean, now let me ask you this, Tim. Do you find Swingtown enjoyable the way that people find sort of a lot of those primetime soap opera things to be enjoyable? In other words, it's bad for you, but it's so good. Yeah. Uh, maybe I gotta watch it again. Maybe I'll give it another try. Sort of like Dynasty or something. One of those shows. Yeah. All right. Maybe it's kind of a it's kind of a guilty pleasure of dirtiness. All right. Well, maybe maybe I'll have to watch it again. Maybe I went into it with my my expectations mishandled because I think I was sort of expecting it to be a serious drama about uh, you know social and sexual relations in the seventies and the suburbs at a changing time in America. But it's really not. It's just it's just a titillating show about neighbors who hump each other. Yes. Well, okay. Who is that woman? I say no. I can I cannot describe her. She's one of the lead actresses in Swingtown. And I, I looked at her, I'm like, where do I know her from? And now I can't place her. And I realize that I can't describe her, so I'm going to have to find her picture online. There's one of the lead actresses in Swingtown I know from something else, and I can't quite place her. She looks very refined, almost looks British in a certain way. Uh, anyway, so I don't she's... Know who that is. Yeah, i got to look it up. Anyway, uh, so Peter Carlin will join us later on today. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Don't forget, we are counting down to 888 this coming Friday. Uh, this coming Friday is 8808. So, of course, 666 was Horns Across the Hawthorne. 777 was Vanilla Ice Live on stage. Now, this year, 888, this coming Friday, August 8th, uh, 2008, at 2 p.m., the Emerson Address, uh, when this very fine radio show on this very fine radio station will address the entire country, nay, the entire world, at once. Uh, so the goal is to get every radio in Portland, every pair of speakers everywhere in the world, every web stream, turn to this radio station at 2 p.m. Pacific time uh, this coming Friday. Uh, and uh, we will endeavor to, to speak to all, not just to, not just to the people who, who listen now, but to the people who maybe don't listen. I would encourage you, by the way, to go to 970.am and A, check out the Bitchin' Splash page uh, that Bridget uh, from upstairs put up, which is really great in a sort of Chinese-Soviet kind of way. Chairman Mao. Have you seen it? Yes. It does look sort of, especially because one of them is right over Chinatown. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so there's that. Is this on RickEmerson.com? No, 970.am, the splash page for that. It's uh, great. It is. It's pretty great. I mean, it's it is. It's pretty. It's pretty great. It's stupid. I mean, largely great. And then you go to RickEmerson.com. 
Uh, you can see the updated. I mean, you can see this at the station website too. But it's uh, uh, you can go to any number of sites, including RickEmerson.com, and see the the map, the interactive Google map that is constantly being updated, showing where people are going to be broadcasting the show this Friday at 2 p.m. Uh, and so you can go to 970.am. There's a little thing where it says like click here to let us know where you're going to be. Uh, so I'm looking right now. We got all over the West Coast. We got the East Coast, New Zealand. There's one that's just a thing in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and I guess it must be an island of some kind, with no no lie, listener in the Congo, which I think used to be Zaire and maybe is now the Congo again. So somebody in the Congo? I don't know what this is. Tim, what is this? Is this Cuba? Where is this? Can you see this this place on the map? That is Cuba. Okay, so we've got a listener in Cuba. Oh, no, is that Puerto Rico? Wait a minute, let me look. That is probably Sarah in Puerto Rico right here. Where? That. Wait, I guess I could click I on it. Get the page to load. There we go, Sarah. Yeah, so Sarah in Puerto Rico. All right, there Puerto you go. Puerto Rico is up there somewhere. Really? That's not Puerto Rico. Well, that's somebody else then. That could be a Caribbean island. Uh, it's all very confusing. I think it's Caribbean Island. All right, so Puerto go, Rico is up here. So you go to rickemerson.com, you can see the map of the Emerson Address, the interactive Google map showing where the word will be spread this coming Friday. Uh, so don't forget about that. The Emerson Address brought to you in part by the fine folks at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, uh, helping to underwrite this address to the world, 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 world. Speaking, by the way, of Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, a fine sponsor not only of the Emerson Address but of the station in general, remind me in like five seconds to talk about Clone Wars. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Okay, I got a barrel of things here. Roll out a barrel of news, Tim. That wasn't me. That was me. Not even my stomach. It wasn't a me. Portland man is detained for protesting in Beijing. We have some new startling information regarding the Greyhound cannibal slash beheader. <laughs> beheader. A patch of land in California is baffling scientists by reaching temperatures of over 800 degrees. Also, a couple of other California stories. What will we do without them? Members of a California Christian motorcycle gang are arrested for stabbings. <laughs> a homeless-slash-pregnant California woman kidnaps her six kids. Mark Wahlberg will make a cameo appearance on Entourage. The Inquirer promises a picture of John Edwards holding his love, love child. child. Brittany plans to make a movie for Quentin Tarantino playing a lesbian killer stripper. And 91-year-old Ernest Borgnan at long last releases, uh, releases his first autobiography really? titled Ernie. We'll be spending some time with Ernie today. Good for him. You know what frustrates me is when people put out like three, four, five, six autobiographies. You know? Hope used to do that all the time. Seriously. It and was it was written like anybody wanted to read them in the first place. And the place. same stories told over and over and over again. Like, get a free copy with four retreads at Goodyear. <laughs> yes, we know that you went golfing with Alice Cooper. Stop it. Uh, yeah, I know that you always wanted to do Raquel Welch. Put a cork in it. Uh, all right, it's all very exciting. Big, big things happening today. Big uh, things. I got some stories to give you as well, Tim. Things you may not have seen. So we got a lot to watch us coming up. Brittany watched today as well. Uh, haven't I wanted? But it's it's worth it. It really is. Joined today as always by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon, resplendent in her David Bowie labyrinth shirt. Hello. Indeed. How are you? Oh, I almost died of heat stroke yesterday. Wow, it you biked home. Oh. It made me respect Jimmy Ryan more because yeah, it was straight uphill. Um, you know, straight up Hawthorne, basically, yeah. and it was like a hundred degrees. And Sucked. I seriously, yeah, I got home and I had to like lay down for a second. My face turned almost purple. I'm like, what is going? You go on and you hug the air conditioner or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So oh, when, so you can tell your face is a little red today. Yeah, 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 yeah you're a little yeah, pink. You should have put on some Badger Bomb. Mu- badger Muscle Bomb. No, they have it. Uh, they Kids, have one and that use Badger Muscle Bomb. They have sunscreen too. It's so good, you'll uh-huh. 
And I, I, I just didn't expect it to get that hot. I didn't think that my face would get that much sun. Well, not to be this guy talking about the heat, but I mean, it is interesting how there it's are. It's everywhere. But there are different kinds of heat. Like everybody knows it's humid. My worst kind of heat. Today was that, or yesterday was that heat where it's just, you know what I mean? It's a very clear heat. Uh, in other words, there's no humidity to it at all. And it's not even a dry heat as such. It's just like you can actually feel the sun hitting your body. Uh, even more so than normal. Kennewick is like that all the time. Then there's blast burners hot, like in the suburbs where I live. Yeah. It's a different kind of hot. It's, I mean, there's all, it's weird, actually. that there, We should do that as a, as a stupid 30-second high concept of the different kinds of heat. But in Kennewick, you get that. It's almost like you're closer to the sun or there's no cloud cover. Maybe it's because there's no trees in certain places, and that's it's where it, you literally can just feel the heat baking you. So that was yesterday. i got to give it up to Timmy Ryan, though, man. I know he started uh-huh. at 1130, but still, Jesus. Um, I'm still very impressed. And then so I went, uh, so I don't have any air conditioning because I went and saw a movie last night. What'd you see? Oh. Um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And? Oh, it's hilarious. Okay. I heard mixed reviews. No, I, I, I'd seen it once before right when it came out, but then I, I don't know, I just wasn't really paying too much attention to it when I watched it, but this time I thought and it was Excellent. really funny. It's playing at the Laurelhurst right now. I did not uh, bike today. I, I drove. So I drove. It's just no. And I have a, kind of an excuse. I have to pick up. I dropped off all my laundry with the Asian woman a few days ago, and i got to pick it up. Uh, so she calls, she's like, your laundry ready, you come pick up today. I'm like, uh, okay, fine. You know, they'll sell it if you don't pick it up within 30 days. There's so a, big get a thing. lot of my clothes. Oh, man, there's a big thing at the front. Like, laundry left longer than like 90 days will be d- d- disposed of at the discretion of the owner. And that means sold. I've bought all kinds of things from Asian ladies in the past. Really? Yeah, clothing, I mean. <laughs> at, at the uh, dry cleaner. She won't hold things over 30 days. Oh, no. I got nice brown soup for you. Come try on. <laughs> the, 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 the woman who does my laundry, though, is she's, uh, she runs uh, this laundry. She is really, really cool. She's like the coolest woman ever. And she's the one who, when I, when I was, uh, when I came in one day with that wrinkly shirt, and she's like, you know, you want to iron your clothes. You look better for your wife. You know, I'm like, who can argue with that? Uh, so, and she puts the right amount of starch on everything because I like my stuff starched. Uh, I like my shirts to be heavily starched. Oh, I just remembered I left my laundry up in the laundry room. Nah, it's gonna be gone when you get home. Nah. Well, I think I, I know everyone. The panty sniffer at work right now. No, oh, I thought God. he went to prison. Yeah. Uh, well, there's always a new one, Tim. I suppose. All right. So yeah, yesterday was hot. So just I have a couple of notes, and then we'll take some calls, and then the, the whatever. So. Uh, no real big changes on the psychiatric front, although I did have another one of my 55 appointments yesterday. Uh, and, of course, it was the best thing where it was, A, hot, which is not such a big deal because I'm in the car with the air conditioning on, so that's, you know, that's okay. Except that everybody else on the road is cranky and either going too fast because they want to get home because they have no air conditioning or they're just grumpy from the heat. So driving when it's like 105 degrees sucks because everybody's in a bad mood. That's why everyone in Texas is crazy. Yeah, shooting each other constantly. Yeah, Yeah. and Florida. And because you're just sitting on the highway, heat waves coming off, and I don't care if your air conditioning is going in the car or not. You're still hot, right? You know what I mean? It's It's a weird... It's a weird thing how even when you're chilled from the air conditioning, you can still kind of feel the heat for some reason. And everybody on the road is honking and whatever... And I took the GPS, and of course, it's exactly the. I forgot to charge it, so I get about halfway there, and the GPS, the, the Ken voice comes on. It battery power extremely low. Please recharge. And of course, I don't have the charger. I'm like, oh God, I'm gonna be lost in the middle of nowhere, and they're just gonna find vultures picking over my bones in the sun. Uh, anyway, so I go and I um, I do yet another one of my 500 uh, shrink appointments uh, with uh, with my insurance company, who I will not identify, except to say that. Nope, I'm sorry, that's me. Except to say that I barely knew her. A couple just brief observations about this. Um, So, let's see. Um, There's a a thing by the telephone, when you go in there, where it says, it says in big letters, it says, 
speak very quietly. You never know what kind of person you're talking to. That is true. The instruction to the receptionist. <laughs> Which I guess means like you never know who's got a machete like under their coat. I think that's good uh, advice, really. Seriously. And it's like in a hardcore... Like a hardcore... Like it, this isn't just like the... Uh, there, where you go, and you go, well, I don't know, I feel a general malaise. Like, this isn't like a full-on screaming, like, clinical psychiatric building. And I made this note to myself. This is from yesterday at, uh, yesterday at like, 4.30. Note to self, everyone in this room is crazy. So, it's not like in a waiting room at a hospital where, you know, maybe the guy's crazy, maybe he's there, maybe he got splinter. Maybe he put a, maybe he put a nail through his hand. No, no, no. Your place like this, everybody is there because they're nuts. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, oh, just the general assessment by the shrink. Remember how the last shrink said, I don't really know what your symptoms are telling me. Here's here's another variation on theme. The assessment from the shrink yesterday, I don't know, man. There's lots of stuff going on with you. So that's it. I like that tone. <laughs> I don't know, man. He was just, uh, yeah, I he, I mean, it was he was sort of, you know, very professional and whatever, but, as we, but it was like a 90-minute thing. But as we got to the end, he was looking at his notepad, and he did that thing of stopping, and he looked at his notes, and he kind of shook his head, and he had that season, he goes... I don't know, man. There's lots of stuff going on with you. Sort of like it was just a big mystery. Like I'm some sort of, uh, like I'm some sort of mental Rubik's cube uh, that needs to be fixed. So you know, I'll let you know how everything goes. So uh, no changes on that front. So that's all that happened. What? That's well, all that happened. medicate you or anything else? No, I mean it's a whole. You know, it's just it's a, it is a hurry up and wait kind of a thing. It's a very deliberate practice, Tim. I mean, there could be nothing wrong with you. They're just gonna bait you to come back. Well, you know what? I'm not paying for it. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Then I mean, I guess I am in the sense that my insurance company's paying for it. Uh, you know, but I mean, you know, nope, that's what insurance is for. Here's the thing is, I didn't have insurance for the bulk of my life. Mm -hmm. So you know what? Doesn't matter. I'm going to use it for everything. Stub I, my toe, going to the doctor. I make sure if everything is done, will I have insurance. Exactly. And all this mouth work to be done, thousands of dollars, I'm you, getting it done now. You I know, don't feel guilty at all. That's my next thing, by the way, is i got to find a non-nutcase dentist. And i got to get my mouth done next. Because, you know, one never knows. So i got to get the dental work done now, and then they'll hold me for like the next 10 years. So It'll hold you for 30. Yeah. So, so do they do teeth whitening at, um, through insurance? Can well, you, you probably well, have to pay for that. That's cosmetic. Yeah. Um, anything, you, can't, you can't get crowns. Anything that is purely cosmetic, in other words, not a me an actual procedure, I think you have to pay for. Mm. Or you could get gold crowns like me. You should totally get a grill. Like my a tall wall. My friend chipped her tooth. Yeah. Uh, heart, and she's getting just a, a gold tooth as a replacement. Seriously. Just um, like just of a James Bond. Movie. I think I'll be okay without my gold teeth. Yeah, I'm just uh, maybe like, but maybe one that like you could detach, like maybe like a gold cap that you could just stick on when you're feeling uh, sort of yeah, saucy. Like a one tooth grill. That's what I'm saying. One tooth grill. All right. Um, uh, if you a... have insurance, use it. No, that's so that's my thing. So I don't mean to have it all the time. Drone on about it because not a lot happened yesterday. But that's I have I feel no difficulty just wringing the insurance company dry. I don't. I feel great about it. I mean, yeah, I, I work have, for insurance companies. Yeah, I have no problem with that at all. So it's like, what is it? I, if one of my eyebrows is is askew, I'm gonna go to the ER. Be like, hey, my eyebrow, fix this. So uh, it doesn't matter. All right, let's uh, do these calls, then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Speak now. Yes, I, uh, I'm driving around with all this information for you. Uh, Weird Al got his start back in the 70s on the Dr. Demento show. Yes, he did, sir. And uh, Can you name the first song that Dr. Demento played by Weird Al Yankovic? No, I can't. It is a song, called, it is a song called My School Cafeteria. <laughs> and uh, yesterday or, or the day before talking about numbers, it, it's, it seemed to me that they used to use the the Dow Jones ending average, and then that way everyone that played the numbers would know what to do. Oh, oh, okay. So the, yeah, when the run of the numbers, so they used a, a widely known or publicly accessible number. Right. That way they couldn't be fiddling with them back in the back room. Excellent. All right. And uh, 
You were talking about best ball the other day. About, <laughs> about what? Best ball. I can't remember. It was some sort of fundraiser, but it's a golf uh, thing where you have two guys playing two guys, and you take the best score death ball. of best one ball. of best the ball. two. Oh, best ball. Yes, yes. Richie put on the screen death ball. <laughs> uh, I know it was a band or something. Yeah, best then, ball. Yes, yeah, Sarah is uh, familiar with that. Yeah. Then finally, uh, Roseanne ended one of her episodes one time with the clapper. They were laying in bed talking, and when they got done talking, she clapped her hand, and that was the end of the show. Clapped off I the rem- whole I episode. I saw that episode. I remember that one. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for listening. Okay. Thanks. All right. Uh, we got to take a break. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the calls. We got a Swingtown call here, so hang on. We'll get to you around the corner. If you are on hold about Swingtown, stay there. Other calls, Lisa Desjardins and more around the corner. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Later on the day, we will once again be denied the presence of Ira Melman. So, you know, there's that. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum coming up later on. Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. Mr. Skin for MrSkin.com. Uh, an ad hoc top five. Uh, sort of a hastily put together top five running songs uh, because of uh, the Timmy Ryan Portland jog off, uh, which happened yesterday. Uh, let's see what else. Other stuff. We continue to count down to 888. Oh, later on today. Okay, don't let me forget. I have to talk about Clone Wars because we're doing a cool giveaway for the Clone Wars movie, which premieres Monday. I got to talk about that. And we'll play Richie Bristol trivia for some Clone Wars today. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent and something, something superlative, adverb, noun, verb, adjective, Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hi. I really just uh, kind of <laughs> I didn't really know what I was doing there. Sort of didn't it didn't come together the way it was planned in my head. How are you? Semantics 101. It's all good. That's okay. I'm, I'm well. How are you? I am fantabulous is what I am. <laughs> hey, have you seen the Paris Hilton thing? I have seen this Paris Hilton thing. So, I got all these thoughts, uh, of course, none of them related in any even vague way to what you're purportedly talking about today, but I we got the John McCain put out the celebrity ad. John McCain puts out the Obama is Jesus ad. Uh, <laughs> Paris Hilton comes back with the Hey Wrinkly White Dude ad. Right. There's, I mean, uh, you know what's great? Well, it, Paris Hilton in particular, not spending a dime, just putting it up on the internet. Sure. Everybody talking about it. It's, I mean, it, it is just such a. It's, it's just. I sound so impossibly old when I say this, but it's not even really that. It's just that things change so rapidly. Yes. I mean, it's like yeah. you think about all that McCain Feingold stuff about campaign finance reform and. You know, and these, what are you, 537 groups or whatever they're called? And it just, it, none of it even matters anymore because. Yes, the 527s, yeah. Yeah, none of it even matters because well, you, you know, see these ads that come from some guy who claims he's acting on his own and seen by a billion people. And it's just, it, this, this business of structuring campaign advertising just seems so hopelessly out of date already. It's definitely a debate that's going on in Washington. I think. Some would say that, that by and large, uh, things have been elevated and that we know more about who is giving money to campaigns and who is putting out these ads. They, by and large, people say that the process is better. People who, John McCain, who, who like where things are, but you're right. There are a ton of people like you who say that essentially, uh, you know, it's still a gallon of milk that's spilled. It's just going in different places. It's the same problem. It's, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where there are just sort of, 
you know, it is a decentralized uh, campaign system in many ways. Because, again, is it, you know, but like, remember that ad that came out a few months back uh, where it was the, the revamping of the 1984 McIntosh ad but using Hillary Clinton? Yes. And that was a really big deal for a while, especially because it looked like she was because she was a contender yes. at that time. And yet, and yet, it was just some guy. Like I don't, I don't think it was anybody with anybody any sort of a, a connection to anything really. So it, it's just a hit can come from any direction at this point, uh, and it is sort of a. I hate to use this analogy, but it's the only one that comes to mind, and I really am only using this analogy for the sake of convenience. That. You know, a lot of times in sort of criminal organizations or terrorist organizations, they will talk about how there is no head point. It's just all these isolated cells. And that is sort of in a in some horrible way. That's a good analogy for, for how the political system kind of works now, where, you know, like you get this Paris Hilton thing, which comes out, which is strangely having the effect on some level of being an actual campaign ad because it paints McCain as a tool. It, you know, it goes either way. It, in a way, it, it, you could say that it helps McCain, too, because it has Paris Hilton still out there, and she's not endorsing Barack Obama. However, it kind of uh, goes along with this idea of um, some people of low substance that are against McCain, I right, guess. Right, right. No, you could, you could see it either way. I, I don't know. I think, I think what this ad does the most is uh, it makes Congress look pretty bad because the truth is that Paris Hilton – has stumbled upon or her agent or whoever wrote this ad did a great job in getting her to put together in two sentences Paris Hilton from, you know, a, a lounge chair by a pool in a bathing suit, exactly the energy policy that we probably will end up with as a compromise, but which Congress refuses to get to. And can I say this? Here's a, let me just give you this little sidebar right now. Yeah. You know, you know in your journalistic bones, Lisa, you know that there are any number of people, and I'm and I'm not even excluding myself, probably me, who will watch that Paris Hilton thing, and miserably enough understand more about the energy policy, having watched Paris Hilton yeah, talk about it. That's right. Seriously, because you asked me, like I said, I don't even know what the oil reserves were. So I mean, Paris Hilton has boiled it down and told us what we need to know, free of, at least from my perception, free of political spin. There wasn't finger-pointing at either, you know, there was there was some uh, some making fun of that uh, I think uh, was going to be there, no problem. I mean, it's just, it's a and weird... Yeah, it's, it's a really weird thing, but I think that's right. I think that ad may be the ad that makes the most sense if people actually watch and listen to it of any of the energy ads we've seen so far. Uh, i got to say, by the way, whoever the advanced man for McCain is probably getting a big raise today because he had that great <laughs> thing at Sturgis where he's talking to whatever, 50,000 bikers in Sturgis, South Dakota, who are, you know, they're not there for McCain, they're there because it's a Harley convention. Right. And, but as Tim Riley pointed out, nobody really, you know, the average American nitwit doesn't realize that. All he sees is this closely cropped photo of McCain in front of 50,000 people. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it's uh, who knows where the context is. So I decided that here at the show, we're just going to start finding large groups of people where they're going to gather, and we're just going to go <laughs> and take photo ops of us standing momentarily toward the crowd. <laughs> And then put those up, you know, because that's all. It's just a photo. It's just a photo of you in front of 50,000 people. That's all that matters. I think you got, so you're going to get jobs as roadies probably. Exactly. And you'll be doing, doing the mic check right ahead of the concert. It's going to be like the chubby rain thing, you know what I mean? You just, it's just enough to stand next to the, to the person and get a photo taken. Have you, do you even know what I'm talking about when yes. I say chubby rain? Who introduced me to chubby rain? Chubby rain is, that's a, that's a movie that I reference a lot. And it, sadly, most people don't have any idea what I'm talking about. So. Oh. Bowfinger. All right. Um, what else is happening today? 
Well, Newt Gingrich was here at the Capitol today. You know, these Republicans are still uh, having their speeches on energy in the dimly lit House chamber. But day four, they figured out correctly that media interest was going to wane. And so they wanted some conservative star power, I guess you could say. And they brought Newt Gingrich. And honestly, I was amazed. I was at the Republican News Conference yesterday, and it was myself and I think maybe just six other reporters and one camera, one TV camera. Today, uh, maybe 30 or 40 reporters and six cameras in a very small space. I mean, there was not any room to maneuver. And, uh, and my little, my cheek was on C-SPAN because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't stay out of the camera's reach a little bit. Uh, just from, just from Newt Gingrich coming. But what's interesting here is that when you talk to him after the news conference, Newt Gingrich He's famous for a lot of things. One of them is the government shutdown in 1965. Sure, absolutely. And he actually brought up himself, if these Democrats don't allow a vote on offshore oil drilling, they better be ready to shut down the government. Now, it's really complicated, but essentially we're, now, we're at that point again, we get here almost every year, where the government spending bills are about to run out. They run out at the end of September. So in September, Congress has to pass spending bills to keep government running. And what's going on is Republicans are now seriously considering using that. It's, it's complicated, and I can get into it, uh, but using that uh, as, a, as leverage to get their offshore oil drill uh, vote that they want. And uh, it, it, they could do it. It's possible. And, it, and Democrats are saying, we're not shutting down government, but pressure is definitely mounting. And, uh, you know, Newt Gingrich, he is king of the shutdown, and he's talking about it. Here's a question. Yeah. How, uh, do you need somebody's permission if you if it's your property to drill for oil? Not that I – well, you know, it depends on where your property is and what the laws are in your state. I'm just saying, I wonder, you know, I am a radio idiot, so it's like I'm, I'm required to do stupid stunts. So right. I'm wondering if I should just find some guy and start drilling for oil in his backyard. <laughs> you know, I bet that – you know, technically, in most places, probably not. When you're, it depends. Though, if you're in, say, for example, it depends on what the water table is like. You know, and how your drilling would affect the drinking water for everybody. But I think probably most people would run in in an area, say, like Portland. Your bigger problem might be uh, the giant oil well that you would build. That uh, probably zoning laws. There might be some zoning laws against that. But if, I, you know, I, if you were willing to just take a little, uh, you know, make a make a little kind of. Use a little straw. I mean, I don't really know how it works. I only know from watching, uh, you know, like bad oil drilling movies of the 50s where right. the guy drills and then suddenly... Right, and those are all out in rural areas where there's just tumbleweeds and nobody cares whatever you build. I mean, I just wouldn't that be fascinating to take some guy's suburban house and just drill straight down until oil erupts out of his backyard? That'd be fantastic. All right. It's not oil everywhere. I'm going to try... We're going to try to find a listener who will let us drill for and oil in his backyard. Not, not everybody has. Some people have... Water. Some people have muck. Some people have clay. Like, hey, don't like, knock the value of muck. I'm not. I'm not. Hey, I'm not knocking the value of muck. Okay. Are you knocking the value of muck? This is the weirdest st- sentence you've ever uttered. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, a loopy. Yeah, I've been I, staying I, up too late looking at these guys' plans. Ugh. That's okay. I uh, I got to skedaddle here in a minute anyway because Steve Castamon's going to be uh, oh, going to yeah, be with us. Uh, in the meantime, let's see. Have we ever asked you what your favorite Billy Joel song is? No. What is your favorite Billy Joel song? Um, maybe scenes from an Italian restaurant. Everybody says that. Sorry. No, no, no. I don't care. No, no, no. It's it's fine. I'm just saying. 
I almost, I didn't even have time to mouth to Sarah, scenes from an Italian restaurant. <laughs> it's weird that everybody sort of says that. Man, you know, I also have to say, I really liked the song Moving Out when I was growing yeah. up. Yeah, I really like that's that a great song, song. It's I, just weird, every single CNN reporter has said scenes from an Italian restaurant. Maybe it's an East Coast thing. It, you know what? There is no doubt in my mind it's an East Coast thing. Yeah, could be. I mean, no, no problem. I, I don't. I didn't mean okay, to make you sound. Mine was a favorite for a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean to make you sound less than. It was just it's sort of amazing. It's just it continues to blow my mind a little bit. I'm, you know, I think it's perfect because people think that it's an uncommon choice when it's really the right. most common choice. Can I tell you this? My favorite song by Billy Joel is Pressure. Uh, okay. And it sounds strangely Soviet to me, or you know, it has that weird angular. It does. Yes, it does. It has so, a guy, you know, a man of steel kind of. Totally. You know what I would like to hear is a huge orchestral CD that is just an arrangement of all the Tetris music. I would listen to that day and night. <laughs> that would be great. All right. There, there are actually uh, orchestras. There are orchestras around the world that are more and more doing computer game music. It's starting to become a thing. Oh yeah, it is. It is in fact a thing. That's the scientific term for it. Okay. Well, there you go. All right, Lisa. Uh, always a pleasure. We'll talk okay. to you tomorrow. Oh man, the Tetris music. And don't you think? Let me ask you this. Don't you think that "Pressure" by Billy Joel sounds like the like like it should be a Tetris song? Hold on, let's find out right now, shall we? Let's do it. Let's just take a look at day one, shall we? I really like my life. Uh, I love Billy Joel. Anybody who doesn't, I mean, he's he seems like an ass. Like he seems like a dick. But his music is fantastic. Anybody who doesn't agree, they can get bent. Uh, but my life is a great song. I mean, he doesn't like that song anymore, strangely enough. He doesn't care for that song. This is not Pressure by Billy Joel. Let me try one more thing here. Let's see. Let me try, let me try this. I didn't really come. Are you looking for it? Yeah. All right. See if we can get the get Pressure by Billy Joel. Such a great song. Back in my, I used to be sort of an electronic, you know, like I did like some DJ stuff like Bobby does on the computer. And I did this big, like, remix of Pressure, which I was really proud of at one point. It kind of sucks now, but it's such a great song. Um, Richie did such a good job on that Timmy Ryan video. Oh, yeah. By exist. the way, if you want to see the Ryan's Run video, you can see that at uh, uh, 970.am. All right. It's, it's, it really is just fantastic. And it does sound like it ought to be uh, the music to the video game Tetris. I mean, like, if you were playing Tetris and this song sort of came up, I mean, it would fit right in. Uh, there'd be no uh, be no dissonance there at all. I'm letting it buffer to us. Yeah. That's Steve Kastenbaum. We'll get him in just a second. Okay, now picture yourself. You're playing Tetris. The blocks are coming down right here. Oh, yeah. I love this song. This song is the very definition of paranoia. We'll just let it go for a second here, then we'll pick up Steve. This video is genius. I've never seen the video. It's him, like, getting all these big butter, like, flashing images, and he's chained to his, you know, chair. Great lyrics. This needs an orchestral backing. There needs to, as much as I kind of get tired of that gimmick of rock bands with orchestras, this needs to have a symphony behind it. Oh, all right. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey. What's up, you? brother? How you doing? It's, you know, the, the thing about Billy Joel is he's really good at just conveying 
those different types of emotions, right? You yeah. Know? Like uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant. Yes, indeed. You feel like you're there, and and you and you feel like you know a guy uh, in a in a dingy old bar filled with smoke in, in Piano Man. Yeah, uh, he as, as much as we talk about how he seems like kind of an ass himself, and I don't really know that to be true, but it, by all accounts, he's kind of an unpleasant person to be around. Uh, but it doesn't matter because he's just he's so great. And you know what? Anybody who says they don't like Billy Joel, they're just they're just uh, they're just putting on a putting on a front because it's uh, the guy. You don't have to like everything he's done, but that's a guy like. Brian Wilson, like Paul Simon, like Bob Dylan, like John Fogarty, Tom Petty, uh, John Mellencamp, who has just cranked out so many songs that you know by heart. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just fantastic. Oh, somebody just sent me a link to a metal version of Pressure. i got to hear that later on. Ooh, uh, so. Going to talk about pop that one up. I want well, you're talking. Well, we were talking about how New York. Uh, how, I'm sorry, how Billy Joel sort of an East Coast kind of a thing. Uh, here's another East Coast thing. John Gotti. So yes. let me ask you this first of all, because you you know you're you're a man of the city. Um, is it true? You always sort of hear this, but is it true that John Gotti was sort of beloved by the average guy? All right. So there are all these tales, uh, and we're talking about John Gotti Senior. John now. Gotti Senior, right now. Right, right, right. Uh, John J. Gotti. Um, the uh, there are all these tales in Howard Beach in Queens where he lived. That uh, you know they loved him because he kept the neighborhood safe. They didn't, you know, there was they didn't allow uh, any sort of criminal element to move in. Yeah, and they, uh, you know, on the Fourth of July there'd be a huge barbecue, and uh, you know he paid. They, they, I don't know where the well, we know where the money came from, but they pay for a huge fireworks display Mm -hmm. in the community. Never mind the fact that it was completely illegal, you know. Right. (laughs) And people would just come out and just sit and watch like professional quality fireworks. On their block, you know, and so you know, so they loved him in the neighborhood. But then there's the flip side that uh, you know, some neighbor accidentally uh, ran over. I think it was his son, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a car accident. Yeah, that guy hasn't been heard from since. <laughs> so it's a bit of a yin yang kind of a yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So John Gotti Jr. gets busted, and we were talking yesterday about sort of talking about the Jimmy Hoffa Jr. And how it is the mixed blessing where you're born into that, where you've got a certain amount of glow around your name because of who your dad was. But on the other hand, there's all of this scrutiny, all of this pressure. Uh, people, if you're John Gotti Jr., I mean, it looks like he did really, uh, looks like he is a legitimately, uh, I mean, he's alleged to be a gangster, right? Is that the deal? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he, well, I guess by his own admission, because it wasn't too long ago that he said he was uh, giving up that life, that he wanted to live ah. a normal life or something like that. Right. So, anyway, what is what is John Gotti Jr. Uh, charged with? So this guy, he, he you know, he sort of inherited the Teflon image. You know, maybe yeah. it's in the genes, because he went through three mistrials. They tried to uh, convict him on a charge that he ordered uh, a, an attack on Curtis Sliwa, the founder of right, the, the Guardian Angels. Yeah, well, you know, on his radio talk show, Sliwa has never been shy about talking about the the mafia and and the Gaudis and how much he uh, you know just dislikes them and how bad he thinks they are. So he was attacked one day, and they claim that uh, it was uh, John Gotti Jr. who ordered the attack. So uh, three mistrials; they were never able to uh, complete a trial on him or, or convict him. So it looked like uh, you know he was going to get away scot free his whole life. All of a sudden, this investigation that's been going on, mind you, for over 20 years into uh, drug trafficking in Tampa, finally reaches a conclusion. Six men are arrested, the most uh, well-known one being John Jr. Gotti, Mm. 
and he's implicated in the murder of three individuals uh, in, uh, I believe, 1989 and the early 90s here in New York. And uh, amongst, oh my, the, the list of charges just goes on and on and on. You know, drug trafficking, extortion, jury tampering, uh, loan sharking, robbery, uh, uh, burglary, uh, uh, kidnapping was in there. I mean, it's a huge long list. Pretty crazy. Um, did you uh, have, just as a side note, this is only quasi related because you mentioned Tampa. Um, have you ever seen the documentary Cocaine Cowboys? No, I haven't. You really got to see this. Uh, it's a documentary I watched about three weeks ago called Cocaine Cowboys. It's got a terrible opening credit sequence. So the opening credit sequence looks like it was done on like a Macintosh circa 1987. So skip past that. But it is a great story about the rise of the cocaine industry in uh, specifically Miami, but how it sort of ties into New York as well, and how, you know, in this country we went from not really having much cocaine on the streets until the late 70s when the, 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 the places were just awash in cocaine, and it really tracks the rise of a drug industry uh, in this country, and it does tie in a lot into organized crime. It's a fascinating documentary, especially when they talk about how if you look at the Miami skyline today, 60% of those buildings were, you know, tw twice, two degrees of separation built with drug money. Uh, because there was just all of this money that needed laundering, so it all gets put into these sort of legitimate businesses that end up fin financing all of this massive construction and expansion in Miami. And they said, and even now, you look around downtown Miami, you see all of these buildings. If you could magically go back and remove cocaine, half that skyline would just be gone. Wow. Uh, so it's it's not, not to mention all those massive mansions on the uh, on the islands and the intercoastal. Yeah. You know, the uh, the waterway between uh, like. The beaches and the mainland, there are all these small islands that, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Miami. I have not. Oh, my God. There, there are these incredible mansions where places like a Madonna, uh, where, where people like Madonna uh, have homes, and uh, um, uh, Jennifer Lopez has supposedly a huge mansion on one of those islands. But a lot of those guys who, who have homes there, uh, yeah, you're right, it, it's drug money and, yeah. and, and other black market items. It's, it's just a fantastic documentary and uh, a little terrifying in a way, so... Anyway, I have, I have no idea why I brought that up. Hey, real quickly, are you talking, do you see about this thing where they're trying to cut down on the, the city, the subway groping? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a big problem? I knew it's a big problem in Japan. I didn't know if it was a big problem in New York. I mean, I guess anytime you're shoving guys into a metal tube with a bunch of women, something bad's going to happen. I don't get the impression that the groping here is as big a problem as it is in Japan. You're right. I, I've read stories about how bad it is in Japan. Uh, and, I, and I've heard tales from, from women that I know that, you know, they've had uh, this happen on occasion during a rush hour or whatnot. But you know what I, I hear more frequently than that mm. is um, when the train isn't so crowded and, like, uh, maybe in the evening or whatever, like, guys exposing themselves on the train. Look at my, look at my junk, that, yeah. that guy. Uh. That, that guy or relieving themselves, and I don't mean a number one on the train. <laughs> wow. That's, un that's unpleasant. Okay. Well, on that note, Steve Kastenbaum. I've never had the pleasure. No. Well, you know, there's always tomorrow. Uh, speaking of which, are you on tomorrow, sir? Yeah. All right, my friend. Until then, uh, may the good news be yours. We will talk to you then. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen, in New York City. All right. Scenes from an Italian restaurant, kids. Uh, let's see. What are we doing here? I'm looking at these calls. Well, we'll get to some of these. At the You're not supposed to forget about Clone Wars. Clone Wars. You don't know from Clone Wars. All right, here's the thing. Uh, so Clone Wars, which is the uh, 
I feel like I'm going to butcher it if I try to talk about it too much. But, it, you know, it's the latest sort of offering from George Lucas and company. Court and Fatboy or Aaron or those guys could talk more about it. Uh, I was talking to Dave Zinn about, about Star Wars and how, you know, there's just so much to know. But it's, it is based... It is, I, I don't think it's actually a compilation of the Clone Wars things that already aired on the Cartoon Network. I think it's a brand new, but it's sort of based on that. Anyway, it is a full-length, 90-minute feature film animated about the Clone Wars. We are going to be doing a screening of that this coming Monday. I don't have one of the tickets in front of me, unfortunately. Uh, hey, uh, Richie, do you have a Clone Wars ticket? Do I have a ticket? Do you have, do you have one of the little passes that you can bring in? Thank you. Uh, I want to make sure that I get the details right. But this is this coming Monday, 7 p.m. I want to make sure I get the location and the address. Uh, but so this coming Monday, we're going to be doing the screening of uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Uh, so that's going to be happening. Um, we're going to be giving away some passes on the show later on the day uh, for Richie Bristol trivia. But here's the, here's the big thing, though. If you go uh, to Powell's Books... Uh, at Cedar Hills Crossing, uh, and I'm going to get the actual address. It's 3415 uh, Cedar Hills Boulevard, where Hall and Cedar Hills Boulevard intersect. Uh, the, the deal is we are going to be giving away passes this coming Thursday, that is tomorrow, at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing uh, for Clone Wars, uh, for which, again, we are going to be doing uh, the uh, we're going to be doing the premiere of that uh, on Monday at 7 p.m. Uh, let's see here. Where the hell did I where the hell did I put it? I want to make sure that I have... I printed this out, and now I can't find it. Hold on one second. I know I'm really mangling this thing that I told you not not to let me forget about. Hold on. Make sure It's either 5 to 6 or 6 to 7. i got to make sure that I get the time on this right. Uh, and then I will, I will sort of recap it later. Good morning. Hi, Dave. Is uh, Bridget and or Susan here? Bridget is here. Okay. Can you pass me to Bridget real quickly? Thank you. We will also give some of those away later on in today's program that we'll play. Uh, Richie told me something else yesterday that I couldn't believe. Hello, this is Bridget. Hi, Bridget. It's Rick. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Rick? I'm fine. So, uh, Powell's book, Cedar Hills Crossing, uh, we're going to be giving away tickets to Clone Wars. That is tomorrow. Is it 5 to 6 or 6 to 7? <laughs> it's... <laughs> I had it written it's... down and I lost it. And now I have. Now I want to send people there at the wrong time. It's at 7 p.m. at Bridgeport 18. Well, that's the actual screening. The the giveaway at Powell's, though, tomorrow. I am so of little help right now. No, see, but me too. See, the, the thing is, you, you're only of little help because I had to call you because I can't even remember it. So now I have to find All right, I'll figure it out, and we'll talk about it later. I'll find it. All I'll right, find thank it and I'll, you. I'll let you know. All right, there you go. So, well, there you go. Well, that was completely wasted. What a great segment that was. Can we repeat that again? <laughs> Shut up, Tim Riley. Doing the best I can. I printed it out, and I can't find it. Uh, anyway, so we, we, but uh, this coming Monday, Bridgeport 18, 7 p.m., uh, AM 970, we'll be doing the premiere of the Clone Wars animated film. Very excited. A lot of guys that really liked it. The Mailman Chris is the world. The Boba Fett's of the world. They're all, like, jazzed for it. So that is coming up this Monday, 7 p.m., Bridgeport 18, uh, The Clone Wars. We're going to be premiering it. We will be, though, giving away tickets at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing tomorrow. I believe it's at 6 p.m., and I'm going uh, to double-check on that. No purchase necessary, whatever. You just go there. You show up at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing tomorrow. Uh, and while supplies last, tickets to the Clone Wars can be yours. So it is a uh, it is a hot property, as they say. Hello, Tim Riley. How are you? Other than filled with scorn and mockery. No, I was just amused by that past segment. Were you really? I was. Are you going to put it on your demo reel? I don't have a demo reel. I don't look for jobs. Good for you. I know better. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Back in mere moments with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Don't go anywhere. Sam. 
Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Okay, so later on today, we'll be giving away a pair of passes to see the Clone Wars. Uh, this is coming uh, Monday, Bridgeport 18, 7 p.m. We'll play Richie Bristol Trivia for that. That's the best place to see a movie. It is uh, yeah, it, the most comfortable seats of any theater. It's before. a fantastic place. I've been there once, and I always want to go back. See? Uh, so, uh, well, nothing but the best for our listeners, Tim. So, AM 970 presents the premiere of the Clone Wars movie. That is this coming Monday, Bridgeport 18, 7 p.m. Uh, we have passes we'll be giving away today. Uh, and then there's going to be a big giveaway happening tomorrow night. Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Uh, you just uh, you just show up, perhaps buy a book while you're there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth is your personal savior. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And the new town news is brought to you by our friends at Lace Auto Collision Center. Privacy Collision Repair. Go to lace.com and find out what Lace can do for you. A heat advisor is in effect till 10 o'clock tonight. That means stay in an air-conditioned room. Drink fluids. Stay out of the sun. And uh, call old people. Once again, <laughs> just a chat. Yeah, call your mom and tell her you're okay. Hey, how's it going, Mom? Just fine. All right. So uh, that's in effect till uh, 10 o'clock tonight, although after 10 o'clock, it's still hot. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I went outside last night to take Max for a final walk around 1130, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like unbearably hot, but it was shockingly hot. In other words, you're in the holiday, like, oh, I'm going to walk out to 1130, you walk out, and you go, Wow. Uh, that is not like it was terrible, but it was way hotter than you would expect it to be. Legacy hot? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's a. Uh, I mean, I always. I mean, everybody sort of talks about wherever they grew up, but I always use you know Kennewick as sort of the gold standard because it was just, just so miserable in that place. And I mean, the last time. That's why people are always taking their clothes off, running around naked, seriously, chasing garbage trucks. It's only made bearable by the cocaine. Uh, the, the last, not this last trip, but two trips ago when Laura and I went to Kennewick in the summer, we went out one night, and it was 10.30 at night, and it was still 94 degrees. And it's just like, you're just saying, like, why? Why? Why do you live here? Uh, but last why? night, it was it was just, it was like that. So, uh, it was the, you know, last night when I walked out at about 11.30, it was like walking in front of a hairdryer. That's the kind of heat it was. Just that sort of warm, billowy, enveloping heat. Very unpleasant. So, anyway, that's in the back till, uh... Ten o'clock tonight. They're all going to die. Not all of you. Well, some of them. The weak among you will die, and the herd will be stronger because of it. That uh, norovirus had sickened more than 100 people. Now they counted more than 100 people got sick at P.F. Chang's. Only the one in the Bridgeport Village, though. Not the one that I, I usually go to. Uh, it's not known whether a patron or employee brought the virus into P.F. Chang's. Uh, they think the virus got into food at the restaurant, but they don't know which food. Now, they, they had this investigation, and they still know nothing. Yeah. And the restaurant is expected uh, to reopen, let's see, at 11 a.m. Saturday. Well, you give that restaurant in general a ringing endorsement, so oh, it's good it, enough it for is, me. It is now open, because yeah. Sarah's friend is working there. All right. Well, see, now I, have to, now I feel like I have to try it now, because you all love it so much. Oh, Try the Great yeah, Wall Jane. of Chocolate. The Great Wall of it, Chocolate. Yeah, she was uh, sent home. My friend who works for people. Right, right. Yeah, she was there at work for 15 minutes. She's like, nobody's showing up, so we all got sent home. Well, we, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll. Well, that's a shame. Maybe I'll stop in and have me some chocolate later on. Yeah, say hello to Jessica. Okay. <laughs> ask, for, ask for her. Wait, I, do I know Jessica? Have I met uh, Jessica? You got a lot of friends that I, it's hard to keep track of them. I think you've met her. All right. Would I like to meet her? I think you would. All right. Well, we'll stop in. Here's Tim Riley. She's probably a great gal. Four foreign activists, including one from Portland, have been arrested for unfurling pro-Tibet banners inside the Beijing National Stadium. 
As if people don't cause enough problems here. You go into a foreign country and you expect to get a slap in the hand. Oh. Now, wait a minute. They're going to haul you away. These are protesters. Where, do, where are the protesters from? Uh, let's see. They're from all over the place. One is from Portland. Of course. Of course. Idiot. Uh, Idiot. This is uh, Tyrian Mink is her name or his name. I mean, ah, never mind. I mean, it makes it sound like I don't care about the oppression of others. And that's not really true. Well, it's their business. Well, but it's not even. It's not the oppressed. It's. I mean, it's. It's. Uh, I suppose at some point a revolution will come when they get when they get really tired of being repressed uh, of oppressed. And I'm not. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm really not. Uh, there's a right way to do things and a stupid way to do things. And I mean, th- the idea that some uh, some guy, girl, whoever it is from Portland is going to go to China and unfurl a banner. Uh, and you know, and expect like something to come of it other than like a beating and an imprisoning is just ridiculous. That yeah. just doesn't make any sense. It's at the all. ugly American. It is. Well, it's the ugly, self-important American that believes that by going and like holding up a sign somewhere that because they're an American, everybody has to stop and pay attention and take notice. No, no, no. Look at me. I'm not just a person with a sign. I'm an American with a sign. So everybody, including this government, needs to pay attention to me. And the world does not work that way. Uh, the Chinese government does not care that you are an American with a sign, and they're not going to give it any more credence than anybody else. The so. Chinese have been around for thousands of years. They don't care what anybody thinks. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, really, that's it. doesn't matter what the government is. They've been around for a long time will continue to be that yeah, way. I mean, the Chinese government is not going anywhere. I'm not, saying that the, I'm not saying that oppression of other peoples or nations or countries or cultures is right. I'm certainly not. Uh, but but there is there is such but when you do something like that you're just a gnat going into a going into a fan that's all you're just you're a bug hitting the windshield they're going to continue to make things and export them to our stores you, uh, yeah well you know there was they're, a, they're the busy little workshop of Asia and will continue to be so man I saw a thing the other day where they were they, they um where were, it was online somewhere where there was some guy and he was holding he's one of those guys and again please please don't think that I'm making light of the oppression of Tibet or whatever. I'm really not. It's not about that. And it's not even about trying to make the world a better place or not. Well, we can't do anything about that. It's, well, that's, it's just about, it is about sort of like protest as fashion statement, which I think we both know happens a lot. I think we all know that there are people who protest because they really feel it and because they're living it. And there are people who protest because uh, they think it's going to get them laid with some woman studies major at PSU. So there was something where some jackass is on the street and he's holding a free Tibet sign. And so they went up and they said, hey, free Tibet, what's that about? And he's like, well, you've got to stop the tyrannical government in China. And they did this great thing where they started examining all of his clothes and like 80% of his stuff was made in China. Mm. Right there. Just, I mean, you've never been more owned than that guy. I mean, right, they just deconstructed his entire business right there. Your shirt, made in China. Your shoes, made in China. Probably the goddamn sign was made in China. So one either walks the walk or one doesn't. Free Tibet is that vegan food? Yeah, they're giving away Tibet all day long. Too. I want two Tibets. And normally that, one for each of you. Tibet normally three ninety nine a pound. Have you seen that Family Guy? No. I was just watching it last night. It was on Free God, Tibet. Damn Family Guy. Yeah, because he was walking outside of a um, outside of a courthouse and there are all these people with Free Tibet signs and Peter comes up to me. He's like, I'll take it. We gotta get some of that Free Tibet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. It's like the it's like that South Park the free hat thing. Uh, all right. Here's Tim Riley. A mother, father, and their son are hospitalized after an explosion inside their travel trailer in Northeast. All three separate burns. It's going to end with a big explosion. A force of the explosion split the trailer wide open. Uh, Is it now a double wide? Well, there wasn't much of a fire because the explosion actually uh, blew the fire out. Backdraft. 
Apparently, uh, the mom tried to light the stove inside the camping-style trailer when uh, she finally got it started. It <laughs> just blew up. Well, she did get it started, though. Let's give her give her credit for that. It happened near 99th and Northeast Sandy, where everything goes bad no matter what yeah. you try. <laughs> it's a dome of obsolescence. It really is. There's just a one big dome of implosion over that whole place. Once you cross a Hawthorne Bridge, that your chance of success are limited, regardless <laughs> of what you try. It's like you're looking at a map and... Let's see, people inside this area here, they're going to achieve nothing. Uh, over here, half of them will achieve something, the other half will be dead by 40. Over here, some achievement, but 20% will end up going to a white-collar prison. All right, here's Tim Riley. This comes to us from Belfair, Washington. Who knows where that is? No one. I do. Where? It has a big Belfair mall we used to go to. I think it's near, near Seattle. Well, the officials there, the town fathers and mothers have decided the scantily clad baristas at the espresso stand are erotic entertainers. Now the women have to cover up. Wait, hold on. We need the backup because Tim was handed, I'm sorry, Richie was handing me this thing about Powell's and Clone Wars. All right, so Belfair, what? Boobs? Washington. Okay, what about it? The town fathers and mothers have decided the scantily clad young ladies, the baristas at the espresso stand, are erotic entertainers. Therefore, the ladies have to cover up at Espresso Gone Wild, what? or they have to go. Oh, God, I hate people. What makes them erotic entertainers? They're they're exposing uh, something below their neck. Actually, they're not really exposing very that much. Is not, look, that is relatively tame. I can't even see the, the separation of the of the uh, bosoms. Uh, bosoms. The separation of the bosoms. The cleavage. Can you see the separation of the bosoms in this picture? No. Is that erotic? No. Where is that at, Tim? Where can it, people it see that? Skin. Where Belfair, can... Washington, where, not for long. Can't where... even see any the Mason Board of Commissioners. Where can people see that photo? They can see this at uh, K2.com. So if you go to K2.com, you can see this about the uh, these erotic entertainers alleged. That is a very conservative outfit. And second of well, the, all... The commissioners sent the owners a letter saying the coffee stand is not zoned for erotic entertainment. Maybe we should send, them, entertainment? send yeah. them a letter saying that... that what is it, Belfair? Yeah. Belfair isn't zoned for puritanical tight asses. I mean, seriously, find something better to do with... You know what it is? Here's... Okay, wait. Isn't it obvious that young ladies would have bosoms underneath that? Everybody knows the bosoms uh, are how there. Much, how much more must they be shielded? I mean, it's... The, you know, you spend the first, like, year of your life uh, with your face mashed up against a bosom. I think, you know, if you're... For most people, you, you're there. You're right next to the bosom for all your formative months. For the love of Christ. Okay, I've got a great idea. I don't have time to do this. Somebody else take this idea, run with it, do it, whatever. Because I don't mean to be sound, sounding like I'm inordinately angry about this, but for the love of zombie Jesus, get your stupid city working correctly, and then if you really feel like you have to be angered by breasts, and I find it offensive when people are offended by breasts. I mean, seriously. I mean, as a... As an American man, I find any attack on... breast-gawking American. Uh, yeah, uh, Tim, an attack on bosoms is an attack on the nation entire. Um, feeling exhausted with all this hate. And it's uh, not even in this state. No, no, it's, it's out-of-state hate. Um, that was an unfortunate rhyme. Somebody needs to create, and we could do this for every city, until people just pull their heads out. Uh, somebody needs to create a website that is called... FixThatPothole.com. And what FixThatPothole.com is, it will be a list of all of the potholes and other road deficiencies in a given city. And so whenever the city council or the government or the mayor or some gibbering, jabbering jackass gets it into his head to start regulating bosoms, 
You can go to the map and say, hey, while you're busy regulating boobs, here's 500 potholes in your city that need to be filled. You know what? Can I just tell you this? I don't mean this is all about me. That A, there's a big pothole in my street. You know where there's a big-ass pothole? Right here on front, right outside of the radio station. Oh, yeah. At well, front and about salmon or something. I don't know what's going on out there, but there are big trucks, always underground, playing around with cables and wires. They've been doing that since we've been at the old building. Well, that's just for the Skynet system that's going to find Sarah Connor. But there is but there is a huge pothole right in front of that, uh, It's the, what is it, the, the, the uh, Mercedes? Is it a Mercedes dealership? I think it's a Mercedes yeah, dealership. Yeah, Mercedes, yeah, that's where... Uh... Um, uh, yeah. So there's a huge pothole in the road right there. And I mean, the kind of pothole that if you if you don't see it and you go right through it, like, bam, the kind of one where you, where you wonder if it's just messed up one of your tires or something. Uh, there are a lot of those going down Hawthorne, too, where I, I've now learned where they are, so I'll, I'll avoid them when I'm on um, a yeah. bicycle. I mean, how long, how much money does it take to fill a pothole? You know what? Uh, it, you could probably fill a pothole with the energy and time it takes to pass laws about women's breasts. You idiots. So I want somebody... To start fixthatpothole.com. In all fairness, nobody's protesting women's breasts in the city of Portland. No, probably not. It's too many breasts in the city sometimes, mm. really. Uh, the uh, just always from people who shouldn't be showing them often, men. Uh, but I mean, and then the next time, and it's not even about breasts. Like the next time they get up, somebody gets on their stupid high horse about pot laws or skateboarding, uh, you know, or regular, you know, your sagging pants. We're going to pass an ordinance against sagging pants. You can just hold a press conference and you can say, hey, here's 500 potholes the city hasn't fixed while they're busy regulating pants. Jesus. On KCMD Portland. I think I already did that, but still. whole thing just fills me with rage. By the way, speaking of breasts, so I was at Mount Tabor the other day. Guy, guy and his girlfriend, girlfriend, I guess moderately attractive, wearing typical summer garb. Guy, big, I'm looking, I'm nobody's idea of healthy, big, Big, big beer belly, big gut, sweaty, no shirt. Standing up there, sweating no away. to see that. No one. And you felt bad for his girlfriend, too. It's like a shaved baboon. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, I, look at I got, I'm flabby. You know what? I don't take my shirt off. Who wants to see that? No one. No. So this guy's up there, Mount, and of course he's thinking he's all that because he's at the top of Mount Tabor where he probably drove. Standing up on top of Mount Tabor, like taking in the look, like look, look at me above this city, and like with his big stupid gut, like folding over the sides of his shorts, and like the girl is there, and you, you just want to go up and go, look, friend, I know that you've somehow duped this woman to having sex with you, but she's horrified by the fact that you are showing your big flabby, sweaty, greasy beer gut to everybody. Cover up, cover up now, because you're embarrassing her and everybody. Just awful. I, had to, I looked and I had to avert my eyes. It was like it was burning into my brain. All U.S. adults will be overweight in 40 years. Really? That's the In 40 years? Yeah. We have to wait that long. Uh-huh. Like it's not happening now. Where did, according to who? Mm. Uh, this comes to us uh, from New York. It's written by Amy Norton of Reuters. All U.S. adults. It might sound alarming or impossible, but researchers say that they're going to reach the 100% mark very soon. So, wait, researchers say that in 40 years, every person in America will be overweight. Will be overweight. Mm -hmm. What is overweight? I mean, I know that that, 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 that sounds silly, but I mean, is there some sort of, some sort of, like, specific criteria? Does that just mean above their ideal body weight? Yes, I would imagine. Because most people, I would imagine, are above their ideal body weight now, except for, uh, for you know, except for you, Tim Riley. Well, that's true. (laughs) Well, I don't stuff myself with foolishness. No. (laughs) Didn't you gain a pound or something over the winter? 
I gained three, but I lost it after my colonoscopy. Yeah, because you are the only person I know, though, that is always happy with your weight. I mean, regardless of how you look, Sarah's very, you know, very beautiful woman, but I know that, you know, this is part of the thing. Like, you're always like, well, I, I have two pounds I want to lose, or, you know, I just I have a half a size or something I want to go down. Me, I'm a big, uh, I'm made out of bacon. You are the only person I know, Tim Riley, who says, no, 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 I'm at my desired weight. Like, you're the one. You blow the curve for everybody else. Well, yeah, I get plenty of exercise. If you have a dog that you have to walk miles every day... And then you walk down to the max station yeah. and walk back every day. And then day. spend a lot of time running for your life from knife-wielding hooligans. Yes. That's <laughs> running for the 911 box and screaming. <laughs> it's like a Southeast Olympics kind of a thing. All right, here's Tim Riley. So anyway, it's uh, not going to be tougher to avoid paying for street parking in Seattle. The police there are going to be running around on segways. The officers stand on these two-wheel vehicles, which move them swiftly through sidewalks across the city streets. Speaking of everybody becoming fat... If you park on the street without paying in metered zones, the fine is $35. That's not bad. Can I just say this? Whatever, I don't mean to be that guy, because this is even before my time. But let me be that guy for a second. Whatever happened... Thank you. Whatever happened to cops walking a beat? You know what I mean? They're, they're starting to do it in some places now because they can't burn up all the gas that they used to because they went over budget. But, I mean, the Segway just seems like a fundamental... That seems like a waste of money. Segway's like seven grand, is it not? I'm not sure what they cost. I mean, the Segway's thousands. So do you know how much a Segway costs? No, I think that that sounds about correct. I have no idea. Uh, uh, let's assume for the sake of it. Let's cut it in half. Let's say it's five from ten. Maybe we have a, a salesperson here who has the Segway. If you got ten Segways. Wow. Okay, so it's around $5,000. You can get the um, Ferrari Segway for $14,000. Do you have to get insurance for that? I don't know. Is that considered a vehicle that needs insurance? And do they have to follow the rules of the road? What happens if you crash into somebody or a car? So let's assume the city buys ten segways. That's fifty grand. You could get a you could get another cop for fifty grand. You know what I mean? And the other cops could be walking. I don't mean look. I'm not down on cops. You know whatever. We have a lot of police officers who listen. Fine, whatever. I'm just saying. It seems like if you're going to try to stay in shape, that's an, you know the walking is. I mean I'm not like I'm health maven, but it just seems wasteful of tax money. And it seems like. Uh, plus, if you're a cop and you're segwaying around, you see some guy goes on the run. You got to chase him. Then you got to leave the Segway behind while you're chasing the suspect, and then it's just like another thing they can steal and sell for for meth money while the cop is busy chasing the guy down. It seems like, and I would imagine, maybe I'm wrong about this, I would imagine if you took a poll of police officers themselves and said, look, the city can either buy a hundred grand worth of Segways, or we can give that hundred grand to like overtime. I imagine the cops, you know, or like, you know, or like better training or something or more cops on the streets, more feet on the ground, as they say. I would imagine the cops would fall down squarely on the why don't you just give us something we can actually use side of the equation. Boy, I sound cranky today. Here's Tim Riley. Well, here's what to be cranky about. Let's talk about the uh, beheading cannibal. Did you see that? Uh, never mind. I might get to that. Psychological tests have an order for the beheading cannibal in Canada. Is this a cannibal watch? Uh, I suppose so. Here's your cannibal watch. Well, let's, I just like the sound. Let's do it. Here's your cannibal watch. So now we're getting uh, more of a detailed timeline of events. A passenger calls 911 
When the Greyhound driver pulled over by the side of the road on the Trans-Canada Highway, allowing the passengers to get out, the driver then locked the bus with just Vincent Lee and the mortally wounded McLean inside. Police rushed to the scene. Officers then watched in horror as uh, Lee began uh, carrying around uh, ah. McLean's severed head and appeared to be taunting them. Taunting them with a severed mm. head. Uh, Lee said nothing to police, except for telling them at one point, I have to stay on this bus forever. Then at one point, Lee began cutting other body parts off and was even seen to consume some of them. He seems full-on crazy. This doesn't seem like a angling for the plea bargain. This seems like a nutty... He did of... not appear to be drunk or high. This is uh, completely random. Page two. Please do not storm the bus. Waiting until Lee smashed out a window and tossed a bloody knife and scissors toward him. Jesus. Then Lee jumps out the broken window, cutting his hand on shards of glass and was arrested. Here comes the worst part. If you're eating... This is a five-second warning. Horror ahead in four, three... Two. Police searched him and found several severed body parts, including an ear, nose, and partial mouth inside a plastic bag in his pocket. Partial mouth? What does that even mean? Is that just like lips? I don't know. We'll find out. Okay. Okay, everybody, come back now. All right. I'm all done. In a in bag a in his pocket. Mm -hmm. He was prepared, though. He had a baggie. Hmm. So, uh, let's see. The psychologist has uh, 30 days to complete a detailed report on... Lee. What could the report possibly... What would be the point of such a report? Well, and, and it's not premeditated, but why would you be carrying around an empty plastic baggie? Well, maybe he had a sandwich earlier. Or nuts of some kind. I have an empty plastic bag in, in my bag. Maybe there was trail mix. Well, I had two brownies in it earlier. That's what I'm saying. It was brownies, then it was just lips. Uh, I'm assuming it was lips. Maybe the tongue. So... You know, I, Todd, the corpse, called me out earlier. He said I sounded old by saying that the country is just going to hell faster and faster. And maybe it's really not. Well, Canada is. I mean, but it seems it's like it's country. spreading to places where, where there wasn't insanity before. That's what happens um, when you have liberals in charge. Maybe it's just uh, it's a godless place, Tim. Uh, maybe it's just because people are going crazy in weirder and weirder ways. Like, I don't think there ever used to be school shootings. You know what I mean? School no. shootings seem like a pretty recent development. I mean, there was that one, and everybody goes, well, there was one in Scotland 50 years ago, but they only remember that because that's the only one there is. You know, I mean, we in the last 25 years, we've really carved out school shootings as a brand new form of uh, of crime. Well, when I was going to school, if you got out of hand, you would be taken outside and beaten. Oh, yeah. No, they were, by the principal. Yeah, into dust. Uh, yeah. the blessings of all parents. <laughs> Syria, and, and to the assembled cheers of your schoolmates sometimes. Mm -hmm. There's a guy named, his name is actually Tim, who was a bit of a troublemaker in my class, and none took him in the hallway, beat his ass, and everybody was a fan of that because he was a, because he was a jerk. Uh, so, um, but so we have different kinds of crime, I think, that are sort of flourishing right now. And, but this is, but this is just, you know, but there's just no defense against crazy. Because, you know, the next thing is going to be, what was he reading? What was he listening to? What kind of movies did he like? And there's just, there's no getting around the fact that there are people who are just miswired. I think we can all agree there are people who come out of the chute just broken. Mm. Uh, it's like getting one of those green potato chips in your bag. Somehow made it, made it across the assembly line. There's just, uh, you know, there's just people who are just not working properly inside. And those are the guys you just put in a small room with a window, and you just look at them forever. So, are we done with that? Yeah, we're done for, for today. For now, there's your cannibal watch. All right, we'll take a break. If you're on hold, hang tight. Let's see, we've got a vomit story. This guy, somebody on hold says, protester in China is a friend of his. Should he be getting bail? Right, we'll take, take a break. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Show. Get yourself an egg and beat it. Have some more chicken. 
That's a great idea. Indeed it is. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Maybe there's a company or a business that listens that has, like, drilling equipment. If you're a business or a company that listens to the Rick Emerson Show, if you're the decision maker or have access to the decision maker, uh, we want to start drilling for oil. Tim suggested you're using all of St. John's. I second that idea. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All right, it passes. All well, right. second choice would be that, that Linton place. <laughs> Have you ever seen that moth-eaten place? Yeah. Driving all the way to drop the dogs off on Savi's Island? Yeah. They actually try to beautify this section of town by putting bricks in the middle of the highway. <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a, I shouldn't knock it so much because you have to drive past that. You have to drive through Linton to get to Rockfest. Uh-huh. Uh, which I will be doing again on August 12th of this year when KUFO presents Rockfest the 13th uh, with uh, Lucky 13 with Kid Rock, the headliner. Um, Is that a Tuesday? You say August? Wait, did I say August? I'm sorry, September. Okay, September like 12th. I'm sorry. My, my mistake. I'm November sorry. And I, Chris Paddock is probably screaming. September 12th. Uh, Rockfest, September 12th, Kid Rock. Uh, so you got to drive through Linton to get there. But the great thing about Linton is there's, a, there's one of those great restaurants that just says eat out front. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's run by this uh, this little old lady. Uh, and they serve a mean grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, they, do they? And it's just, and it totally is, and she hasn't tried to to, to modernize it at all. It looks Here's like it's her. from about 1964. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, so I'm gonna, if you are a decision maker, or if you have access to drilling or mining equipment, uh, the Rick Emerson Show would like to hear from you. Uh, we want to begin drilling for oil uh, somewhere in St. John's, or you know, just uh, maybe in the parking lot next door to my house. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Here's Tim Riley. So a California woman may be out of her home and $50,000 in debt, but she does have five clone black puppies. Vernon McKinney had been saddened by the death of Booger, her pit bull terror. Yes, I said Booger. 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 I barely knew her. Booger. How's that, Dr. Johnny? A throwback Booger. there. Uh, anyway, uh, it happened two years ago, but DNA experts told McKinney they could make her an exact copy of the dead dog. And after I met these good gentlemen in Korea, they told me. We <laughs> no, nothing dog. good ever they starts with that. It's the most beautiful words I've ever heard in the English language. I can clone your dog. So she sold her house. I don't so, want. Never mind. And she raised $50,000. That's the time the scientists said they needed to turn the skin cells from her dead dog into embryos. Now, is it 50 grand because there was five of them? In other words, if she'd only wanted one, would it have been 10 grand? Maybe they only sold them in fives. <laughs> Maybe. Well, maybe it's like an in vitro fertilization thing where some of them don't take, so you got to do a lot. Okay. You know what I mean? So uh, so the bio firm RNL Bio was credited for the work. It's affiliated with the South Korean lab that produced the first clone dog. Send in the clones. So she made sacrifices in hopes the method will become affordable to everyone because losing a pet is a terrible loss. No, it's a, well, when Laura and I were living in California, there was a guy there who was saying he could clone cats. And uh, it was like twenty grand or something, and we immediately looked at our at each other. But couldn't you find a cat? Cats only look like three different. Cats. Seriously, who can tell one cat apart from another? Mm-hmm. I mean, and who cares? Uh, so I mean, just little balls of fluffy evil. Uh, but uh, but anyway, so we immediately looked at each other. We're like, fifteen grand. What would we pay that? And I we actually had a long moment where we were wondering if we would pay that. So. Uh, but it'll be cheaper. You know what I mean? That's a, those are early adopters paying that fifty a grand, right? Oh, there. that's true. That's a, I mean, that's like you paid a thousand bucks for the first TiVo. That's a, that that price will drop. I'd say within a decade, you'll be able to clone your dog for uh, you know five six grand probably. All right, we are a country of uh, of advancements here, Tim. We are. 
Let's talk about this Florida man. A man from where? Ba 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 ba. Florida. That was me. I failed. I failed. It was made out of fail. At least you got the ba 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 ba. Epic first. fail. Here's Tim Riley. He's in trouble with the law for calling 911 to complain about his sandwich order. He's been called the Subway Showdown Man. He called Jacksonville police three times to complain that the subway employee let the mayonnaise and mustard off his two sandwiches. Okay, sir, what's going on there? Well, I ordered two sandwiches, and I asked for everything in one sandwich, and the other one I asked for certain things on the other sandwich. I didn't get what I paid for. What? What? He was complaining about his subway sandwich. Well, then he called the second time. Maybe we should. I had a phone with you. The 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 lady just came up here and locked the freaking door, and they got both of the sandwiches. They did not make right for me inside the store. So we got your call 15 minutes ago, okay? So you just find to be a little patient. I did the and did when they say we got your call. Does that mean we have officers in route to beat you? I hope. I guess so. Who? I mean, that okay? Is as easy as it would be just to say screw this guy. This is really curious. What goes on in the mind of someone who, what was his issue with Subway? They were out of mayonnaise or something? Yeah, apparently, they left the mayonnaise and mustard off the sandwich. What goes through the mind of a guy who picks up the phone and calls 911 about this? I mean, that's in a way sort of fascinating. I mean, you almost Isn't wonder. Is he pretty old? Is he like senile? Tim? Does I don't believe so. No, it doesn't say He anything. sounded relatively young. He sounded relatively young. I mean, what goes through the mind of a guy who says, I know what needs to be done. I will call the cops via 911 about the lack of mustard and mayonnaise on my sandwich. That's a thing where you just desperately wish that your brain was like a Windows uh, folder system so you could just click through and just see what's kind of lurking in all those folders. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. An Amber Alert has been issued for the search for a California mother who allegedly kidnapped her six children around midnight. That's six children, not just one. Enya Moore took the kids from the home of her estranged husband during a supervised visit and then stole his van. Sergeant J.D. Nelson of the Alameda County Sheriff's Office said the children range in age from 1 to 11 years old. The six kids missing is uh, quite urgent, but our three-year-old involved here is uh, a kid that needs insulin three times a day. And we do not believe that the mother has the uh, ability to administer those shots at this time. And she can't afford it. She's homeless. And yes, pregnant again. Also, the van doesn't have very much gas in it. We don't believe that she has the ability to put a lot of gasoline in the van. So we believe that she is in a pretty much a localized area. She's known to frequent the area of Hayward, California. So that's where we're, our primary uh, search is. And they still haven't found her? I think that's that we ought to just... Here's the thing. When Rick Emerson is president... There's going to be a mobile sterilization van that goes around town. Supplementary. We're going to find, uh, Jesus, uh, that was, this is now a year ago. It's not even recently, but I saw that, you know, you've probably seen this. The woman, she's there, uh, pregnant out to here, sign, pregnant, need whatever, and then she's smoking. And you sit there and you just go, really, you are such a waste of skin. You are such a waste of air, and you're a waste of space. And so someday I'm going to have a mobile sterilization van. And what we're going to do is we're going to drive around, and we're just going to we're just going to go up to uh, just every time you see a woman like that or a guy that you know is just bad news. Will it have the same kind of music as an ice cream truck? No, but what it's going to have, Tim, is it's going to have a big thing that says, "Look, we will give you 200 scratch off tickets if we can sterilize you. It's 10 minutes in the van. That's all it takes. Popsicles it, and stuff. It'll be it'll be it'll be sterile. It'll be clean. We'll have medical professionals. It, it'll be regulated and licensed. We'll do it properly and and safely." 
You get 10 minutes in the van, we're going to sterilize you, and then you get a fistful of scratch-off tickets. And here's the thing. Joe Camel presents. And you say that many people went negative, but here's the thing. If you don't take the offer, then maybe there's hope for you. You know what I mean? But if you look at that and go, that don't seem like a bad idea. Uh, do I get to do I get to pick what kind of scratches? I like that cool cash one. If if you take the offer, then by definition you're the person who needs to take the offer. So it's going to be a Rick Emerson's mobile sterilization van. Go around town, you get 200 scratch offs, uh, but we uh, we sniff your junk. There's That's no more genius. babies for you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, Sarah. So. Or even and just like slap some like video poker machines on the sides. Too. I wonder if I could do that now. I wonder if there's anything illegal about that. I don't think there's anything illegal about it. I think it, that no. requires surgery, though. Hmm. All right. Well, in any event, I'm just saying, and you, you I would think be that's the smallest part of you it. You would be amazed at how quickly the society started to turn around. Some ways, you start sterilizing people in exchange for scratch-off tickets, uh, because it is again, it is the idiocracy of this world. She's homeless and pregnant. Doesn't even have money for gas. She's a criminal. Six kids. You got to get pregnant credit, again. Though. She didn't just kidnap one. She kidnapped six. Well, how do you do that? Well, they're like McNuggets. You know, once you have one, you just uh, you you can't stop. You got to have all of them. Maybe it's a set. Maybe if you assemble them and turn them over, they make a poster. Jesus. All right. That is pretty an impressive feat, though. I mean, a, a homeless, a crazy pregnant homeless woman. God, how do you even get six, six kids six in a children. van? Mom has the day off today, as she does every day. <laughs> my mom couldn't even get my brother and I in the car at the same time to go to the mall. Jesus. God, people are stupid. Uh, Rick, why don't you drill in the Dalles or Arlington, Oregon? Where's Arlington? I don't know. Or Kennewick. Well, we could drill in Kennewick, but I don't, we'd have to get a Marty unit down there if we wanted to broadcast. So, well, we'll look into it. I, the St. John's is right here, though, and it's not really being used for anything. No. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. Well, today is National Fresh Breath Day, and Dr. Susan <laughs> Cohen says, over 98% of bad breath is caused by millions of germs that live in your mouth. They That's eat or ingest protein particles, little amino acids, and they metabolize them, and the result of that, uh, they produce these foul-smelling gases. And that's what we perceive as bad breath. Speaking of which, I'm, I'm feeling a little self-conscious because I didn't use Listerine this morning. I have it at my desk. I didn't mean to talk to you about that. It's kind of awkward. No, it's, I tried to do it, and then I didn't. So. I'm way far away from everyone, so yeah. nothing bothers no. me. Uh, Barack Obama began a campaign event in Ohio being heckled by a man in the press area calling for the Pledge of Allegiance. Are you with the press? Okay. Well, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be, we can do the Pledge of Allegiance. Do you want to, wait, 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 wait. I mean, people are just nuts. Can, I, I missed the beginning of this. What, what, why did this start? What was the deal? Well, apparently he was heckled by a man because he didn't start his little speech with the Pledge of Allegiance. So he responds, calling for the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, God, did he really? Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. I thought we already did the pledge. We didn't do the pledge yet? You want to lead the Pledge of Allegiance? Go ahead. All right. I pledge allegiance. Well, that's embarrassing. To the flag. I'm embarrassed for him. I mean, I'm not opposed to saying the pledge, whatever. I don't care. Why are people messing with McCain? Why? It's always like Barack Obama Seriously? being heckled. Well, maybe they are, but nobody's paying attention. And why are you going to give one jackass in the crowd veto power over whether you get to proceed or not? And then after we do the Pledge of Allegiance, we'll find out who's celebrating a birthday today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? I'm not some. I'm not some weird. That will play Simon Says. I'm not some weird uh, pinko nutcase who's opposed to the flag pledge, uh, flag pledge or whatever. I mean, do it, don't do it, it doesn't matter. But I mean, he, presumably he's there because he's got like you know things to do. Mm. Uh, some, you know what it is? Because the flag pledge, 
And you know, again, please, you know, I, I don't. It really doesn't matter to me. Um, uh, you know, you get that thing where like Jehovah's Witness kids don't want to say it, and that's fine. Other people want to say it. Great, more power to them. But that is like that stupid. Where's your flag pin? Why aren't you wearing a flag? The next guy that starts bitching about somebody not wearing a flag pin needs to be beaten in the face uh, with like yeah, a, like right glass paperweight. Seriously, the next time you see some guy running his mouth, well, I don't think he's wearing his flag pin today. That's a guy that needs to be rolled in honey and kicked into an ant farm. I mean, seriously, just uh, that's that that's just uh, that's like we were doing that douchebag tell the other day. That's a jackass who needs to be sterilized. Tell is what that is. Uh, let's just take some of these calls. I'm sorry, we've sort of slacked on this today. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Good afternoon. Hello, sir. Uh, personally, Billy Joel. Best Billy Joel song is uh, Captain Jack. But Captain Jack will get you high. That's a great song. It is good. I was calling. Uh, I tried to call the other day regarding the uh, vomit on the airplane. I've got the best story though. The best. My wife, let's my give wife, people. Hold on. Let's give people like a five second warning. Turn down their radio for about forty five seconds if they want. Vomit story ahead. All right, go ahead, sir. Okay, my wife and I and kids were going to Ireland a few years ago. Yes, sir. And we have to go to Newark and then go on over, and we've got like about a five hour layover. My wife's pissed. Like, what are we going to do for five hours? And I said, I don't know. We'll just we'll have dinner, whatever. As we're going into Newark, we started getting turbulence. And she's not looking good, and she could not find the barf bag, oh. and she ended up using her, uh, her her sweatshirt that she had. <laughs> so it's it's now all over her clothes. Yeah. And of course, the people that are sitting next to her have to climb over her to get out of the plane. Everybody's getting off, and everybody's walking by, and they're looking. Oh, she threw up. And, and she's got this squishy fabric thing in front of her. Yeah, that's exactly. no good. Exactly. And we had. We took the we took the uh, uh, the bus on over to the local mall. She had to buy a whole new outfit. Oh God! We I wasted thought, five hours without a problem. For a minute, I thought you were going to say she had to open the Sky Mall catalog and sort of fold it into sort of an ad hoc bowl. No, oh. it was everywhere. They they told us we couldn't leave the plane until the last, and they had to sterilize the whole area. Excellent. Well, you made an impression at least. You can't ask for more than that. That's true. All right. Thank you for listening, sir. You bet. All right. You there bet. you go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, did you say a supervised visitation? She was on a supervised visitation and Tim? stole the van with her kids? Tim? Who the hell was supervised? That is correct. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is that the state of California? Ronnie Millsap. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, come on, guys. I don't Maybe know. there's a little question here about what supervision. Well, you know that if there's one thing the government is uh, is or they're entertaining and inefficient. So yeah. <laughs> there's nothing like amusement and stupidity in one there, shot. There you go. Thank you, sir. Thanks. All right, there you go. Well, we never talked to the guy whose friend is presumably being beaten in a Chinese prison right now. So uh, maybe he'll call back. Here's Tim Riley. There are more things to irritate you. It's time for the quadruple religious nutcase. Here's your quadruple religious nutcase watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. be held at St. Louis gas stations to thank God for lower gas prices and ask that he continue to drop the gas prices. Ask if he can find these sunglasses I lost last week, too. Daryl Alexander, Midwest co-chair of the Pray at the Pump movement, says prayer gatherings will be held in the morning and evening at a mobile gas station west of downtown St. Louis. 
Participants say they plan to buy gas and then sing We Shall Overcome with the new verse, We'll Have Lower Gas Prices. An activist from the Washington, D.C. area, Rocky Twyman, uh, started the effort saying if politicians can't lower gas prices, well, it's time to ask God to do it. The group thinks the prayer is helping, saying prices have started to fall below the $4 a gallon mark. Salinas, California, a plumber working on renovations at a restaurant, says he found an image of the Virgin Mary in a floor drain. <laughs> the man says he was working on the drain system for a new restaurant, but he noticed a strange image. The new owner of the restaurant said the building had housed several different businesses. He sees the image as a blessing of hope for the new restaurant. No word yet on whether or not the Diocese of Monterey will investigate the sighting as legitimate. At least 50 people have lost their sight after staring at the sun, hoping to see an image of the Virgin Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Apparently this happened in India. No, it's all, no keep looking. Now, let's see. Alarm? No. But they set up a sign dispelling uh, rumors of a miraculous image in the sky and warning of the dangers of looking into direct sunlight. 48 cases of sight loss allegedly caused by <laughs> photochemical burns on the retina have been recorded at St. Joseph's Hospital. Despite the warnings and the potentially harmful effects of their actions, believers are allegedly still flocking to the house uh, near where the divine image is to said to stare appear. at the sun looking for the Virgin Mary. All our patients have similar history and symptoms. They have developed <laughs> photochemical, not thermal burns after continuously gazing at the sun. I don't know. Is she black? Uh, the hoteler, who has uh, since moved, Because has... it, it goes black. They can't see anything. Mm -hmm. Never mind. Apparently, they claim statues of the Virgin Mary in this house have been crying honey and bleeding oils and perfume. Nobody cries honey. That's just stupid. Mm -hmm. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Oh, I want to... They just want to get people like this in a room and just slap them a time or two and just go, like, what is wrong with you? It's 2008. What country is this? I think it's India, right? India. Is that where the, the, she's bleeding honey or whatever? Yes. Look, India is an industrialized nation, is it not? It's not a third world nation. Well, kind of it still is. I mean, I guess maybe there's... Crying honey doesn't even make sense. That's like saying uh, that's like saying that it, out of her ears is coming uh, like 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 Heinz 57 sauce. Mm -hmm. That there's just no reason for that. Even if she was the let me ask you this. Even if she was the actual, real, literal, honest Virgin Mary standing in front of you, what purpose would it serve for her to cry honey? Do you know what I mean? Like, what what would be the point of that? I never understood that stuff with the crying statues. I, I mean, is it, okay, let's say the Virgin Mary's in front of you and she's crying because of the state of the world and man's inhumanity to man and the mistreatment of Mother Earth and whatever. Let's presume that the Virgin Mary was actually going to appear in front of you and give you a statement on behalf of Jesus, with whom she intercedes in many cultures. What would be the point of her crying, honey? That would be like saying, you know what, uh, so Jesus appeared uh, to me in a vision today uh, because he wants wars to stop and he wants us to be more considerate of our fellow humans. And then he sneezed marbles all over the floor. It was the darndest thing. Uh, and then out of one of his pockets... Fountains of cheese erupted, and also it was Jesus. Like it's not like popped it, up some scratchers. Seriously, like like it's just like it's not enough that the Virgin Mary appears somewhere or that she cries. She's got to cry, whatever you said, like cake icing or whatever it was. Honey, goddamn people are stupid. All right, uh, is that the end of that? Now we got one more. Okay.
Members of an Orange County Christian biker gang have been arrested. SWAT teams have raided several Orange and Riverside County homes to arrest members of a Christian motorcycle gang in connection with several stabbings. Uh, eight members of the Set Free Soldiers gang have been mm-hmm. taken into custody for investigation of attempted murder. Uh, police had that 11 search warrants. The raids are prompted by a fight at a Newport Beach bar last week between members of uh, the Christian biker gang and the Hells Angels. <laughs> that seems <laughs> okay. That seems great, though. Was there actually a fight between the Christian bike gang and the Hells Angels? Yes, there were. All right. That's by the way. I and, think and the Christians won. We all we all instinctively root for the Hell's Angels in that confrontation. By the way, mm-hmm. yeah, my uh, one of my brothers uh, was uh, was a, it was slash is a Christian. You know, he's a biker for Christ. Case uh, uh, in Portland. So there are different chapters of this. Yeah, because he was like, you know, he's just a just a. Yeah, I'm not, just just kind of a loser. I mean, I know you're not supposed to say that about family. I know that it makes me sound like a jackass, but you know what? Sometimes you just gotta call it what it is. Uh, so just spend he spent his whole life just strung out and selling drugs and being arrested and being a criminal and being just a ne'er do well waste of space jackass. Uh, but like everybody else, sees you know you get to the bottom of the bag of math and there's Jesus you know waiting for you, mm. uh, and so he becomes so he now he's a biker for Christ, and I guess that there are sort of different factions of the Christ bikers or whatever. I guess so. So anyway, so these guys got into a fight with the Hell's Angels and they won though. Yes, that's pretty impressive. The Hell's Angels are no joke. I mean, they'll uh, they'll kill you. So they'll give you a good stomping just for looking at him wrong. Well, all right, there you go. There's your a quadruple religious nutcase watch uh, for uh, for today, for Wednesday. to KCMD Portland, by the way. I'm not sure who Richie's on the phone with. I think he might be trying to get that bicycle guy on. Yeah, because he's been on it for about ten minutes. Yeah, we've been trying to track that. Well, you know, the whole unpleasantness where he called Sam Adams on the phone and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, uh, but, but the good news is, like, we're sort of trying to get, uh, we're trying to get that guy from the city to come on and definitively answer some of these bike questions. Because everywhere I go, uh, people people bring it up. We had Joni brought it up the other night. You're out in the street? You're out in the south? You're out in the sky? Nobody knows. Outside of buildings? Nobody uh, knows. And so she, Joni said, she's like, I can, you know, she doesn't, I think she, I think she just drives. I don't think she bikes. But she's like, everywhere I go, I can feel this weird tension between cyclists and drivers. And she said the same thing quite Quite coincidentally, she said, I wish that somebody would just get a guy from the city on to tell me what you can do and what you can't do. Uh, and that is, w- that is what we're endeavoring to do. Richie, were you talking to the bicycle guy just now? To other bicycle people? Right, to, to, to somebody else at the city or? Of course. I hope he didn't call Sam Adams about that. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's uh, have a little chat with Ernest Borgdine, shall we? <laughs> He's 91 years old, and he has yet to release any book about himself until now. Good for him. He is releasing his first autobiography entitled simply Ernie. It is a loose it, Ernie. personal life and storied career. Uh, let's see. Uh, after a 10-year uh, military career, Ernest Borgdine recalls the reaction he got when he told his old Navy skipper about his plans to... Move on to Hollywood. This man, Paul Habercorn, had been my skipper. And uh, we used to talk to each other, and he was surprised as the Dickens as I was. The Dickens. When I told him, I said, I'm going to be an actor. You're going to be what? 
<laughs> that's okay. That's great. He was surprised as all get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Borg Nine uh, talks about how Hollywood movies have changed since he first arrived on the scene uh, decades ago. And he went home either humming a tune or thinking about how what a nice story it was and, and, and how nice those people had acted it out. And it was wonderful. Uh, in today's films, I'm sorry to say, there are no tunes that you can go home whistling. And as far as pictures are concerned, it's uh, who's got the biggest gun, who's going to show the most leg, and that's about it. Well, I mean, who can have a problem with that? You know, he's 91, though. I figure once you, like, once you pass 85... I think you're, you're probably allowed to say whatever you want about whatever. And, I mean, nobody's really allowed to criticize you for it. I mean, it's one thing if you're, like, 50 uh, or something. But, I mean, if you, you know, once you're 91 years of age, who, what are you going to say to that guy? You know, I mean, he's sort of, you know. And he's Ernest Borgnine. And this is his first biography. Yeah. He has no plans to slow down, so don't even ask. It's for keeping me young, you see. Uh, I think that by making my mind work and my body and everything else and keeping it going, hey, this is what it's all about. Ernest Borgnine says he lives by his mother's words when he approaches his work as an actor. Like my mother said, you know, one one time she said, you know, if you can make one person happy in a span of 24 hours, you've accomplished a great deal. And um, I feel that maybe with my pictures out there somewhere, somehow, somebody's enjoying it and, and you know, they're making them happy for at least an hour or two. And that's what counts. See, come on. Who who can have a problem with that? I don't. He's I a pro. I a problem with Ernest Not me either. Uh, now, you know, the studio wanted him to be Don Corleone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to push, and, and Coppola said no. And I uh, think, you know, the, the Marlon Brando was obviously the right guy. But uh, so, you know what he should do? Uh, Ernest Borgnine, I don't think you could position it to him this way. He might not, see, might not see the comedy of this. They ought to do a movie that is just cast of people you didn't think were still alive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, obviously, you go to Ernest Borgnine and... Who's the gold standard for didn't know he's still alive? Will never die. Older than God. Actor. Oh. Abe Vigoda. So Abe Vigoda's still alive? That's what I'm saying. Abe Vigoda's like a thousand How years can old. Abe Vigoda be still alive. You can't kill him. Nothing can kill Abe Vigoda. Uh, oh, don't say that because you probably just killed him. <laughs> he's somewhere Bernice, my leg feels fun. Wham. <laughs> Why does my jaw hurt? Um so no, Abe Vigoda is uh, he's still alive, still working. Uh, he's, he's just been a rapper. And Abe Vigoda's another guy who's just older than Methuselah, but was never young. Oh, wait, no, yes, he is. Never mind. How old is Abe Vigoda right now? He's 87. See, I thought he was older than that, though. I, I thought, thought he was like... I thought he was years active, and it said 1949 to present. Uh, he's probably shaven, though. He's probably 92. Uh, you know, he was... Because he was Tessio in The Godfather, and he looked freaking old then. I'm in The Godfather in 1974, I think, and he looked he looked unbelievably old. This is awesome, and he lives on the Upper East Side. Totally. He's, I'm Abe Vigoda, and he was name-checked by the Beastie Boys. So there ought to be a whole movie. Uh, somebody needs to put this together. Uh, I'm looking in the direction of Paul Thomas Anderson, possibly uh, possibly Judd Apatow. Uh, it's just a movie of old guys you didn't think were still alive. Abe Vigoda, Ernest Borgnine, anybody else? Go. I mean, by definition, maybe it's hard to do this because we don't know if they're still alive or not. But when I think of old, I think of Tony Curtis, but he's still alive. Is he still alive? See, there you go. So there's yeah. another Tony Curtis. Hey, is Dudley Moore dead? Oh, that's a good question. I was driving I'm down the road sure. yesterday. Uh, my brain sort of just working, firing randomly as it often does. I was trying to remember if Dudley Moore, alive or dead. Seems like he was dying, but a lot of times they make a big deal about the dying, but then the dead is just sort of an afterthought. The dying and the actual, the death, though, is just like a little pop in the distance. Like, you don't really ever hear it. 
So they, they sort of have a big overture little show in terms of the death. So, all right. A whole movie, B. Arthur. There you go. Everybody thinks B. Arthur's dead. That's so funny. That's who I was going to say, but then I'm like, oh, maybe you guys wouldn't think that she was that old. No, no, no. She's, uh, no, she's very old. Uh, I think, uh, let's see, who else? Uh, for the long time, you would have said Al Lewis, who was Grandpa Munster, but he actually finally is dead. Fred Gwynn, dead? Yes. Okay, Fred Gwynn, dead. Wait, though. Buddy Epson. Dead. Mm. Um, see, there aren't too many old people still alive. <laughs> that's a weird statement. That's like that time you said a mile isn't far. It isn't. Uh... <laughs> This, uh, let's see, wait, uh, who else? Who else is really, really old, but sort of out there still doing, you know, still you could, uh, Paul Lynn dead. Uh, anybody else from Green Acres or, uh, you know, any one of those shows? What about the guy, what about the, what about the guy that played the Wilbur on Mr. Ed? Still alive. He's still alive? He's got to be like a thousand. Yeah. You do that? All right, there you go. Maybe this isn't such a great idea. But I'm just saying... I mean, now, now we're looking at the D-list to find out they're still alive. But, but, then, I'm, but, but I mean, at that age, you become the A-list, But they're right? all, like, close to death, so you'd put them all in this movie, and then, like, you know, one by one, they'd be picked off by the hand the of God. Posting with, the shooting would just have to go on forever. He's constantly replacing people. <laughs> and stepping in for Ava Goda will be... Uh, but I mean that would but that would be a great and 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 I think you said Tim that there's sort of B and D listers, but the deal is, like, if you live that long, you become an A lister, right? I suppose so. Like Don Rickles, Don Rickles, you know, it did whatever whatever you liked him and didn't like him before. He's now an A list comedian. Why he's outlived everybody else in his age group? Uh, no, I think that is true. Ernest Borgnine has become an A list actor. Why he outlived every single person around him? Uh, are any of the Rat Pack still alive? No. Joey Bishop. No, he's dead. Dead? He died last year. All right. Well, there you go. Well, maybe this is a maybe this is an ill-advised idea. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's not really going to work. No, there aren't enough dead people, uh, half live people to talk about. All the old people have already died. Yeah. All right, Richie. Uh, I don't know who any of these people are on hold. Should I just take these unscreened? Yes. Live yes. without a net. Mm-hmm. Yay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, how can I help you, sir, madam? Is the case maybe? Uh, that would be a sir. Hi. What's up? Uh, well, Jaja Gabor. That's, that's dead or alive? Still alive, uh, barely. Oh, Sophia Loren. Alive. Yeah, there you go. Jessica alive. Tandy, dead? Alive? I don't know. I think Jessica Tandy's dead. So be it. What about What's-Her-Guts that played Old Rose in Titanic? She died during the filming. No, don't be crass. Uh, who was the woman that played the... No, she didn't die during the filming. No, she, she, no, the she was at the Oscars. Uh, who was that oh. woman? I say getting all angry about it. <laughs> no, but I mean, but who is that woman who? What is her name? That woman that played Rose in Titanic. Oh, because they aged her a lot because she actually wasn't as old as her character looked. Yeah, but she. But that's been 11 years. She's old now. She's officially old now. She's crossed. I think she is dead. Is she? <laughs> no, she's alive. This is so dumb. This is the worst convert. This is the worst use of airtime. All right, how can I well, help you, sir? Uh, you know, I have a, I have a, um, I have a book recommendation. It is The Art of Cycling. A Guide to Bicycling in 21st Century America by Robert Hurst. Um, it just basically gives a, uh, a thorough history of cycling and racing and commuting and mountain biking, road biking, laws of the road, minor maintenance, um, ways to deal with circum- cir- circumstances in the roadways with cars coming and going. And it's called what? The Art of Cycling. All right. We'll pass it, we'll pass it along to our friends at Powell's Books of Cedar Hills Crossing, sir. It's a great book. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, by the way, so here's a good time to do this. Uh, speaking of Powell's books at Cedar Hills, I keep looking at my watch, but I've taken it off and put it on the counter. Um, 
Speaking of Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, so we were talking earlier about Clone Wars. Don't forget, Clone Wars, the premiere happens this coming Monday, Bridgeport, 18, 7 p.m., uh, AM 970. We'll be uh, premiering uh, the new feature-length animated film, The Clone Wars. Uh, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to that later on today with Richie Bristol Trivia. But here's the deal. Tomorrow, 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 Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing uh, from 5 to 6 p.m., so while supplies last, no purchase necessary, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. tomorrow at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Uh, the deal is uh, you just need to go there. You don't have to buy anything. Don't have to, I don't you have to enter in anything. You just go there. You say, hey, clone me. Uh, and they hand you the, uh, you don't have to say that. Yeah, they hand you a pair of tickets to see The Clone Wars, which premieres this coming Monday, Bridgeport 18th at 7 p.m. So that is tomorrow. The giveaway will be happening then. If you want tickets to see The Clone Wars premiere, you don't have to do anything but go to Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing tomorrow. That is Thursday. 5 to 6 p.m., while supplies last, no purchase necessary and all that jazz. Tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m., Thursday, at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Uh, be there to pick up your complimentary pair of tickets to see the Clone Wars movie. Uh, I have no idea what any of these people are calling about. Let's just see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. I was thinking that the movie I had that feeling about was Night at the Museum. Mickey Rooney and Dick Van Dyke are still alive. Boy, that's right. Boy, I forgot about that. Mickey Rooney, that guy seems like he should have been dead a thousand times by now. No, he spends every day at the races. <laughs> oh, really? Is that true? I've seen him there a couple times. I can totally see with the snap brim hat and a little bag of popcorn. Uh, and Dick Van Dyke, too. I guess yeah. if you were to ask me five minutes ago, I would have said Dick Van Dyke was dead. Mm. Still no, alive, though. Movie. All right, excellent. All right, thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right, Have there you go. Whole movie filled with people uh, that you thought were dead. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Well, yeah, I was also going to say Mickey Rooney, but also uh, Wilford Brimley, of course. Still alive. Well done, Wilford. I had a conversation the other day arguing or debating whether or not. I was pretty sure he was dead, but there he was on the commercial. No, 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 and he's still, he's still doing commercials, and uh, he still, you know, has a strong, uh, still has a strong presence, I would say, in the, in the nerd world because of Cocoon, and then he was in The Firm, and then he did those great Quaker Oats commercials. So and Fat Boy from KUFO did some great little DJ piece where he chopped up a bunch of stuff, uh, like a diabetes commercial that he did a while back that I think has become kind of popular online. So all right, Wilford Brimley, thank you, sir. Fantastic. Hey, what about the guy that played uh, the guy that was on my favorite Martian? Ray Walston dead. Oh, okay. Bill Bixby also dead. Yeah, Bill Bixby died pretty young, right? Yeah, I think it was cancer. Yeah, cancer. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, Uncle Steve here. Hello, sir. All hail the beautiful Sarah and. Of course, hello to Tim. You sound a little you, drunk. I I wish. All right. I wish. Yes. Um, Tim Conway and um, Ernest Borgnine are still performing together. The same couple from uh, Mikhail Snowden. That's true. On SpongeBob. So we no longer have. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And so we no longer have Harvey Carman. But yeah, Tim Conway would be out there too. Mm -hmm. It's good to see guys who are like a thousand years old still like out there doing what they do. You know what I mean? Tim it's Conway like, was young when he started, though. Totally. Yeah. That's how you know they're doing it for the right reasons. Okay, much love. Thank bye -bye. you. All right, we'll do two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, I got a title for you that you created the other day. Yes. Uh, it came from your own mouth. It's I'd call the film Sheen of Death, and then uh, you could have Hal Holbrook in it. Wait, it would be called what of what? Sheen of Death. Sheen? Sheen, like Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen of Death. Why does it have to have Hal Holbrook? Just because? Because he's old. Yeah, no, he's really old. Yeah, he's really old. He's one of those guys where, like, with every year, he has to put on less and less makeup to do that in the evening with Mark Twain yeah, thing. And, uh, if, they don't, if you don't use the title that way, you could definitely be an excellent band name, Sheen of Death. Sheen of Death. All right, thank, thank you. you. There you go. All right. Uh, hey, speaking of Sheen of Death, I was talking to somebody the other day about Joe Estevez, who is uh, Martin Sheen's less talented brother, mm -hmm. and... 
it's pretty great because it, he looks a little bit like Martin Sheen, like enough that they'll kind of cast him in like B, like he's in this terrible sci-fi film called Soul Taker, uh, which is just awful. But the great thing about Joe Estevez is his voice sounds exactly like Martin Sheen. So it's like if you want Martin Sheen to like do a like endorse your product or do a voiceover, but you can't afford him for like 30% of what it would cost to get Martin Sheen, you can get Joe Estevez to do it, and it sounds just like Martin Sheen. And the great thing is that occasionally you'll get a right wing group like the NRA or somebody, and they'll cut and Martin, you know, Martin Sheen's a big liberal, big bleeding heart, and so they'll stick it to Martin Sheen by like getting the NRA will like hire Joe Estevez to do a voiceover. So it's like Joe Estevez going like, I love guns, 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 kill, 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 you know, and it's like, but it sounds just like Martin Sheen, like it's it's the best little maneuver. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Truth, truth. A Mexican woman riding on a donkey fights off a 500-pound lion with a machete. Is this the beginning of a joke? No. Okay. This happened in the result city of Acapulco. Uh, Salsa Elements and she and her seven-year-old niece are riding a donkey along a roadway when the lion ran under the animal's legs. The 35-year-old woman said she found the courage to fight the lion because she thought it would attack her niece. She hit the animal with a machete until the beast ran away. Both she and her niece are unharmed. State, uh, the state government said in a statement that the lion had escaped from a private zoo owned by a local congressman. Uh, the animal killed two dogs and ate a pig before it was sedated and taken back to the zoo. But the donkey's fine. Jesus. So's the lady and her niece. Hey, Dabney Coleman, dead or alive? Mm. I'm not sure. <laughs> I know the answer. Do you know? No, I don't. All right, Dabney Coleman, alive. Alive, but I think very sickly. Hey, you know, um, well, never mind. No, 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 this is pointless. It's 503, even by my standards, it's pointless. 503 By the way, Jessica Tandy died 15 years ago. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Uh, let's Oops. see. Uh, hey, let us, uh, let's do this. We'll do some more news, but let's do Richie Bristol trivia right now. Uh, Richie, we'll take callers five and six. Uh, six is only really necessary in case caller five sort of mucks it up. Uh, callers five and six right now. A pair of passes to see the Clone Wars, uh, being premiered this coming Monday, the Bridgeport 18th, seven, the uh, Bridgeport 18, rather, 7 p.m. this coming Monday. Uh, the Clone Wars film, uh, brought to you by AM 970. So we will, uh, take caller number five right now, uh, to play Richie Bristol trivia for your shot at a pair of passes to see the Clone Wars movie. We'll take caller five at 503-733-2970. This is Tim Riley. The National Enquirer releasing the photograph that the world has been waiting for. The first ever picture of John Edwards and his love child. Love child! The stunning spy photo shows him holding his infant daughter, Frances Quinn Hunter, at the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Los Angeles, where the Enquirer cut in him visiting the baby's mother, his mistress, Rael Hunter. I'm so confused about this. I mean, maybe I'm not confused. Maybe the answer is a lot simpler. Maybe I'm making this more complex than it is. Does he just... Does he just not care? I mean, let's assume for the moment that this is true, which I think we all know it is. But I think because he's out of the limelight. But he's not out of the limelight. He's, then he's on the front page of the Inquirer holding he, a love child. He mistakenly thought he was. But I guess here's my question. I don't sound like I'm getting all angry about this again, but I don't understand things sometimes. Thank you. Um... Now I just want to dance. <laughs> I know. Uh, I love this song. I guess, here's what I don't understand. This photo was just recently taken, though. Yes. When was this photo purportedly taken? Do you know? It's John McCain and his love John Edwards. Child. John Edwards. Not John McCain. I just wanted to hit the vocal. But what I 
Um, oh, I'm sorry. We're gonna have Dorothy. We're gonna have Dorothy Carcassera tomorrow, but to talk about this. But when was this photo of John Edwards and the Love Child taken? So he's holding his Love Child while standing in front of a distinctive strength curtain. The same window covering hangs in each of the hotel's guest rooms and is clearly visible in photos of guest rooms at the hotel's website. These photos are damning proof. He's been caught lying about his affair with this woman and their love child for many months, and now the proof against him is piling up. This elaborate cover-up is unraveling at the seams. But do we know when when this photo was taken? Let's see. In other words, here's my question. Well, she just had the baby, right? Yeah, because yeah. here's my question. They nail him a couple weeks ago coming out of her room or out of her hotel or whatever. And they're like, hey, John Edwards, why are you here with your mistress or whatever? And then he's like, ah. So this is probably the same So time. that all hits the news. And then now there's the photo. So I guess right. my question is, are these photos from the same day they're, that they're, they're just sort of dragging out the publication? They have the, they're the same curtains. From uh, the because it shows him running and sweating in the same sweatshirt that he's wearing, holding the love child. So these are photos from the same visit. Uh-huh. All right, because I was because the, okay, that There's makes the proof. No, 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 that you can't have the same sweaty shirt on. That indication that that clarifies it. That because my question was going to be, how dumb is this guy that he's you know gets nailed once and then he goes back and like gets a photo holding the baby or something. All right, but so the so they got in other words, they're doing that great thing of they got all the photos and they're just going to milk it. They're dragging it out. Who can blame them? No, seriously, I have no problem with that. So, uh, all right, well. Yeah. And what's kind of unnerving is how did they get a camera in the hotel room? And, like, is that hotel surveillance? Like That's another good question they... because that's in the room, isn't it? Seriously, is the hotel, like, secretly videotaping people while He's they're... He's calling from inside the house. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that, that, that's a really good question, actually. Sarah, where... Uh, the, do you, Tim, did you say those photos are taken from inside the hotel room? It looks like they're taken far away. The one holding the love child looks, like, really, really far but away. those are curtains. Mm-hmm. That's inside. And I'm looking at the layout of the hotel room, and could, it's, could, it's not, so, could someone have come into the room with room service or a maid walking but by? But see, that would be illegal, I think. I think that's got to be illegal. Maybe it's one a thing photographer disguised yourself as a chambermaid. No, but, but, I, but I don't think they could do that. I think that's illegal because you have a reasonable, what the law calls a reasonable expectation of privacy. Now, if you have the window, uh, in other words, if you have the drapes open, the curtains open... Uh, like, if you have the curtains open at your house and a guy walks by and he can, you know, as long as he's not loitering, a guy can walk by and look in your window. A guy can actually take a photo of you on the beach. Uh, Jason Crump can tell you all about this. But, you know, it, if you're walking around in public, it is not illegal for somebody to take your photo. Mm-hmm. People think that it is, but it's not uh, because you're in public. You have, if you're, and if your drapes are open at home, you have no reasonable expectation of privacy. If you're in the hotel room, though, with the drapes closed, it seems to me based on my understanding of the law, that you have a reasonable expectation of privacy, and they can just be snapping your photo. So I would be fascinated to know where they got that photo of him holding the baby in the hotel room. It looks like it was taken from a, a long distance. Maybe there's a second window. Up. Maybe there's a second window and the curtains were open in that yeah. window. You know what I mean? They were across the street. Well, have you seen mm-hmm. the picture? I've seen the picture, and I've seen the picture of the hotel room itself. Yeah. So, but I mean, maybe there is a, maybe it's, in other words, maybe it's not just because it's an upscale hotel. So maybe there's more than one window. Maybe they had the curtains on the other window open. Some guy's up in a tree with a camera because that would be legal if creepy. Yeah, this is the Beverly Hilton. Yeah. So all very confusing. All right. Uh, We'll resume the, uh, well, that's what I meant. Uh, We'll resume the news in just one moment, though. Let's uh, do this. Let's play Richie Bristol trivia, friends and neighbors. All right, let's see here. Uh, where are we going? All right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Are you ready to play Richie Bristol Trivia? 
Let's give it a shot. All right, sir. Uh, I'm going to give you... Let's see. Hold on. I'm going to give you a multiple-choice question here. All right. Let me make sure that I've got this correctly. All right. All right. The question is, sir... This is for a pair of passes to see The Clone Wars this coming Monday at Bridgeport 18, 7 p.m. For the win, sir, how many vehicles, and for the purposes of this question, a vehicle is a, a motorized uh, form of transportation. In other words, not a bicycle, uh, something with an engine. How many vehicles does Richie Bristol own? Is it A, 5, B, 4, C, 7? How many vehicles does Richie Bristol own? A, 5, B, 4, C, 7. Wow. Why can't we talk about something transgender? Uh, <laughs> How many penises does Richie Bristol have? <laughs> uh, the, uh, is, so is it A, 5, B, 4, C, 7. Uh, here's the thing. Five. If you'd like, if you'd like, sure. sir, yes. if you'd like, you can punt and have Sarah Dillon answer for you. I need Sarah to help me out. I, have I don't know. Going. Are you going to seed your? Uh, this is not a brainstorming thing. If you if you if you if you punt, she answers for you. No discussion. So you can either guess or you can have Sarah guess for you. I've got nothing. You gonna guess? You can have it's, Sarah go. You can have Sarah guess for you. It, it's for Sarah. All right, oh, Sarah. God. How many vehicles does Richie Bristol own? A five, B four, C seven. Well, I know he has like two motorcycles, and I know he has a truck and a car. He probably has another one. I'm going to go with five. Is that your final answer? Yes. The correct answer is A, five. Yeah. Well done, Sarah Dillon, and congratulations to you, sir. You're going to see The Clone Wars this coming Monday at Bridgeport 18th, 7 p.m., courtesy of AM 970 and Sarah X. Dillon. Fan-freaking-tastic. All right, I'll put you on hold. Richie Bristol, will you get that guy's information? He's on three there. Uh, get his info, that guy, in three. And uh, to the other folks on hold, sorry. Uh, we'll uh, try to do this again later on today. Uh, we might try to do another round of Richie Bristol trivia later in the I'm program. So so thanks for right. Richie owns five vehicles. Here's how I found this out, by the way, is because uh, yesterday I was trying to get ready to leave, and you know that our back parking lot is just a hellhole. I mean, oh, it's yeah. just, especially, uh, you know, I'm not, and I'm, you know, we got a whole new station here, and a whole new station, which means, you know, the more DJs, more whatever. So it's just, it was packed before, and it's unbelievably packed now. So we got all these guys. All trying to, you know, come in and leave, you know, various points during the day. You got, you know, the, the evening shift, you know, court and fat boys start arriving. And it's just, it becomes, the, the parking lot is chaotic. So there's that whole business every time uh, you leave uh, w where you're just sort of saying, like, you know, who, who's, does anybody know who's in this red, uh, you know, uh, whatever, this, this red Impreza or whatever the hell it is? Does anybody know who's in this Subaru? And you're trying to, you're phoning around the building and Dave's in this afternoon that... Uh, if you're in the green Saturn, we need you to move your car, please. And it's just that happens. You hear that page like a thousand times a day here. And I'm trying to get, I and mean, this is the worst problems to have, but the parking is at a premium. At least it's free. I'll give you that. Uh, exactly. I'm happy that we're here and not at the coin tower where we had to pay like for 15 bucks a day, a day like, or something. Great, I'm paying to go to work. This is awesome. Uh, but yesterday, uh, I, there's this car blocking me, and I'm like, I'm like, there's only the Subaru. And so I, I, Dave's, I'm like, hey, who's in the red Subaru? Next thing I know, down comes Richie Bristol, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry about my car. And I said, what do you mean your car? I thought you had the truck. And he's like, I got the truck too. And I said, well, I thought, but what do you do? Uh, so he apparently, he drives the the red Sentra to work. Yeah, yeah. So he's got five different vehicles. Uh, because, as he put it, family members have left him cars that he's just never bothered to get rid of. So, yes, Richie Bristle does have, in fact, five vehicles. So there you go. Uh, don't forget, by the way, speaking of Clone Wars, 
Actually, you know, before we do anything else, I'm going to heat up my coffee here. Let me just, uh... Be right back. Don't forget, uh, tomorrow at the Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing from 5 to 6, uh, we're going to be giving away passes to see Clone Wars, the movie, uh, which is this coming Monday, Bridgeport 18th at 7 p.m. Uh, no purchase necessary. While supplies last, just go to Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing tomorrow, that is Thursday, uh, from 5 to 6 p.m. So there you go. And we'll uh, try to give away another pair later on today. Who wants to hear an email about what we look like? Oh, I do. Sure. Uh, subject line, Jeff Gianola and you, Rick Emerson. Hi, I don't know if I'm abnormal or what. But I've always visualized radio people in my mind without ever seeing what they actually look like. I also don't know if you even give a rip about any of this, but I have too much time in my hands and nobody to yammer at. I know there are pictures of all of you on the website. For some reason, my mind refuses to overwrite the existing images in my head, except for Sarah. At one time, she put her picture somewhere of her getting a haircut, so that's the image. Is that the one you're flipping off the camera? Oh, yeah, that's Joni. Joni took that. So that's the image in my head when I hear her speak. So when he hears you talk, he gets that image of you with the red hair hair flipping off the camera, which is a great photo, by the way. Uh, Tim Ryan, guess what you look like, Tim? So this, in other words, he's he's seen the actual photographs of us, but he prior, this is like how if you mishear a song lyric, Mm -hmm. even when you then find out there, and I'm not going to do the whole thing, but when you you finally hear the real lyric in your head, you still kind of cling to the old one. My wife and I had the biggest argument this weekend about the Jeffersons. Tim, do you know the lyrics to the Jeffersons theme song? Moving on. No. Can, you, can you give us the lyrics to the breakdown? I'll do it if you can. I can't remember all. Okay, the, the lyrics to the little bit the breakdown and beyond are: beans don't burn in the kitchen. Oh yeah. Beans don't burn on the grill. Took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. Now we up in the big leagues, getting our turn at bat. Long as we live, you and me, baby, ain't nothing wrong with that. So that's how the lyrics go. My wife, her whole life, has thought it was, she thought it was, now we're up in the big leagues, getting our turn at best, long as we live, you and me, baby, ain't nothing wrong with us. Really accurate. No, it doesn't rhyme, but it sort of worked. But that's how she heard it. So even now that she knows the correct lyric, that's how she sings along. She sings along with those incorrect words. So I think it's that way with photographs sometimes. So this guy had, he has subsequently seen photos of us. But as he said, it doesn't overwrite the original image of us he had in his head. And I know this is a whole thing of us just talking about us, but what are you going to do? He says, so at some point, Sarah posted a picture of her getting a haircut, so that's the image in my head when she speaks. Tim Riley's image in my head is... This will mean nothing to you, Tim. Tim Riley's image in my head is... Ernie Johnson, basketball and golf analyst on TNT. Let's all Google Ernie Johnson. Ernie Johnson. The images. Google. Ernie Johnson. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait. Hold Is on. Is this fellow bald? Wow. That's unfortunate. Yeah, that's really not at all what you look like. That's... Wait, do I have the right one here? I can't hear your voice coming out of that no, face. No. I mean, it's that's got to be this this guy here. Yeah. You don't look anything like that. No. 
Is that flattering, Tim? Let me ask you this. I don't know. Let me ask you this. I mean, if, if I, mean, I, 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 I how do you feel about the fact that this guy thinks you, you look like that? He just thinks in his mind, his voice. Like that, yeah. When like you that. talk, this is the image that accompanies you. Are you happy or unhappy about that? A neutral, I guess. But I mean, you, we all just kind of recoiled in horror a little bit. Is okay. that just because it's First different, all, or because he doesn't have any hair? I mean, he's not an unattractive man. No, he's, uh, but I would say, sort of bland looking. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, he doesn't Maybe have any he's hair. He's talking about uh, Ernie Johnson Jr. There's another one. He didn't say Jr. He said Ernie Johnson, okay. basketball and golf analyst on TNT, and. By the way, this I'm looking at this right here, and it does say TNT host Ernie Johnson. Mm-hmm. So I think that is the guy he's, he's talking about. I'm assuming he doesn't mean Ernie Johnson R&B vocalist, who is, in fact, a huge black man. I mean, I see him here, too. I guess that would be cool, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Much. So there you go. So Tim, no, that doesn't look like me. Tim apparently sounds like Ernie Johnson. Uh, Rick, I'm so sorry, but you are Jeff Gianola. Not at all. Of Portland TV <laughs> fame. A younger, lighter, hipper Jeff Gianola. I met him no. once. He was really nice. I've never met him. I don't know anything about him. But uh, there you go. So apparently in this guy's head, I sound like Jeff Gianola. Jeff that's Gianola and Lars Larson kind of look the same in my mind. Yeah, see, that's, that's the thing. That's, you know, you know, boy, can I just tell you this? Yes. So let me just, here, this will come as a big shock. So um, so there's a guy who's just doing this documentary called, uh, well, I shouldn't say it because it's still a work in progress. But a guy's doing this documentary about where he just kind of goes all around the state kind of talking to people about, you know, the, the state of the country and the direction of, uh, you know, America and, you know, our culture and where we are as a people and, you know. Sounds boring. Yeah, and that's it. Now, to be fair. I, I, it's very exciting. To be but... fair, it's probably only as boring or interesting as the people who are on screen at that moment. Okay. So the deal is he's just going around interviewing people around the state about the state of the country. And he, in one day, he did Lars and myself. That's a phrase you don't hear very often. Uh, but he went and he interviewed Lars for this. And then he came over, and then he and then he did about 25 minutes interviewing me just a couple weeks ago, and uh, he showed me some stills from the Lars thing. Boy, Lars is just huge. Has he put on weight or something? Oh wow! I mean, yeah. I mean, well, he was always sort of, as they say, pushing maximum density. But uh, I mean, it's just it, like his head is just this. It's just like a big cube of 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 pink flesh. I mean, it's just it's unreal. It's it's it's. I mean, he's just, he's gloop-sized. I mean, it's its unbelievable. I mean, that gig must be paying pretty well. Well, no, he does he's a lot of sitting. He has a local and national version. And he does it, what, with a sedentary lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, it. I'm going to say, well, you know, whatever they're paying him must be where he's not, that guy's not missing a meal ever. So, yeah, and he was sweaty, too, as he always is. So, covered in a viscous sheen of sweat all the time. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, and we got a break. Well, let's talk about what these hackers are up to, shall we? Hacker. Hackers. Department store, not department store, but Department of Justice announced that it has 11 people arrested in connection with the hacking of nine major U.S. retailers and theft to sale of more than 40 million credit and debit card numbers. Nobody is safe. These cars included those from BJ's Wholesale Club, Office Max, Boston Market, Barnes & Noble, Sports Authority, Forever 21, and the DSW. So that's some story I never heard of. What would be the point of hacking the credit information to people who eat at the Boston market? That is really strange. Because the Boston market, you know, the entire, and don't get me wrong, I used to eat there. I've eaten there. It's, it's a fine restaurant. Boston market, you know you know what their uh, clientele is? The clientele of the Boston market consists entirely of homesick college students. That's what it is. That's who goes to the Boston market. What kind of food is sold, sold there? It yeah, is, I've never eaten it the is sort of. Market. And keep, I don't it, even know what it is. Is it a deli or is it a uh, restaurant? It's a sit-down sort of restaurant, but sort of quick. It's kind of... 
let me say first and foremost, this is, I'm, I'm a, this is not a, you know, I'm a fan of their food. Uh, it's, it's a fine restaurant. It is sort of, um, sort of a buffet, but not like in the big grandma's buffet kind of way where it just stretches off or whatever. It's sort of a thing where you kind of, you know, you sort of take your tray along and you kind of say, I'll have some of that and some of this. And you get, let's like a one from column A, two from column B kind of a thing. And then you go sit down. So it's sort of a fast sit down restaurant. Uh, but the thing about Boston Market is it is the attempt to approximate in a sort of fast service setting what one traditionally thinks of as a good home-cooked kind of holiday meal. Okay. So, like, you can go there and it's like lots of, like, ham and turkey and, like, biscuits and cornbread, vegetables and whatever. So it's like, imagine if you, like, if you're a college kid and you're away from home, you go home to visit mom and she's like, I'm so glad you're home. I'm going to make a big meal for everybody. And then mom makes the big, like, five-course meal, like, maybe around Thanksgiving or so. That's what the Boston market is. So if you are a college kid and you are feeling homesick, can't get home, you go to the Boston Market, and it is sort of an approximation of, like, the big meal that mom might make for That's you. That's what I think of. When I think of it, I think of really, like, good sandwiches. It is. It it's sounds a, like like warm, good sandwiches. Yeah. I'm really hungry. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a, it's a fine restaurant. We it really is. We stop talking about this. All I have is a bag of carrots. All right. The stock man's here. Uh, really? Right that now? We're, we're, taking we're, we're taking a Back break. Back after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. In just one moment, we'll talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. More from Tim Riley. And so forth. Don't forget, tomorrow, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing from 5 to 6. We're going to be giving away passes to the Clone Wars movie, uh, which we then premiere Monday uh, at Bridgeport 18th. Bridgeport 18th, 7 p.m. this coming Monday. Uh, we give another way a pair of those on the air today. Um, uh, and then uh, tomorrow, 5 to 6, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. No purchase necessary. Long supplies last. Uh, you just uh, show up, say, clone me, baby, and they'll uh, put those in your hand. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the one and only Mr. Skin. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, Rick. Doing great. Doing great. What is up in the world of nudity, my friend? Well, new movie opening this week is Pineapple Express. It stars uh, Seth Rogen. He was one of the writers. I, of course, have uh, a very fond of Seth Rogen due to the movie Knocked Knocked up. up, which uh, was partly a... a, a about my life story, not the knocked up part, but the guy that had a celebrity nudity website. So uh, it's a real funny movie. People will dig it. Uh, though there's no nudity in it, um, one of the main babes in the movie, her name is Amber Heard, and if you picked up this month's Maxim magazine, you'd see her on the cover. So you'd see her in Maxim not, not naked. You'd see her in Pineapple Express not naked. But if you went to MrSkin.com and searched Amber Heard, you'd see that in 2006 she did a movie called Alpha Dog, and an hour and 17 minutes in, she goes for a skinny dip. So Is that the uh, Justin Timberlake thing? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of nudity in that movie. It's a good flick. Um, but she's hot. She's, she's, hot right now. she's hot in real life and hot right now because of Pineapple Express and Maxim. So I don't know if a lot of guys know about her nudity in Alpha Dog, but it's uh, very good. Check it out. Uh, Pine- Pineapple Express opens this weekend. Now, there's a movie called Elegy starring Penelope Cruz, which opens in very limited release this weekend. Um, at the uh, hour and 34 minute mark, we see Penelope's cruise missiles, uh, very exciting. Now, this is the 11th time Penelope Cruz has been naked. Um, she's from Spain, so she's a little more liberal with the nudity, but uh, very good uh, uh, nudity from her in Elegy. I don't know how many people are going to actually go to the theater, so you'll probably have to wait to DVD to see it at, at MrSkin.com. 
And uh, finally, uh, Rick, I know you're a big Family Ties fan as I a am. kid. Uh, but uh, um, the mo- uh, their season four is out on DVD this week, and Justine Bateman was the daughter on that show. I was uh, giving up hope. Uh, Family Ties ended, I think, in 89. I gave up hope. It was like 2003 that Justine Bateman would ever be naked, and then she did a movie, or it was like a Showtime miniseries called Out of Order, and she was in a sauna, and lo and behold, Mallory's Mammaries appeared. I was very excited. I, I thought she would never do a nude scene. It's still the only place to see Justine Bateman nude. It's called Out of Order. A uh, little tough to find, but you could... Uh, uh, see it, and it was a very good uh, topless scene from Justine Bateman in honor of Family Ties, the fourth season, which is new on DVD this week. Excellent. Hey, here's a strange question. Uh, somebody uh, asked me, I don't know if this is true or not, somebody said that at one point Helen Mirren did some nudity and that she was very attractive. Oh, my God. At one point, Helen Mirren is in the Mr. Skin Hall of Fame for an incredible career of nudity. Um, now, Helen Mirren's in her 60s. Uh, that's very important uh, uh, for people to know right now. But she's been naked in uh, over 10 films. One of the first movies she did was in 1969 called Age of Consent. And uh, she still was doing nudity into the 2000s, believe it or not, and looking great. And if anyone saw... Uh, a movie she did, or if anyone saw these bikini pics that were floating around a couple of weeks ago of Helen Mirren in a bikini, she still looks great. She still great. looks good. I saw those. She's still yeah. beautiful. Still looks great. And I think uh, another thing people don't realize, she was in Caligula, one of the great skin yeah. flicks of all time. So, yeah, she's been naked in over ten movies, and uh, uh, she looks great. And even from the 60s, 70s up through today, she still looks Excellent. awesome. All right, my friend. As always, a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week, sir. All right, Rick. Take care. Right, there you go. Hey, uh, Susan Reynolds just passed us along. Uh, she says, uh, let's see here. Um, apparently, let's see. Apparently, right I swear to God, we were talking about Lars and his bigness. Uh, so apparently right now, they're giving with the big concert they're giving away is lunch with Lars. If you're chosen, you and a friend will join Lars in the studio to eat lunch. <laughs> Can you imagine everything? Just, is that even, a, I mean, imagine, quote, winning End quote. The chance to sit across from Lars as he puts food into his mouth and masticates it in front of you. Jesus. All right. Well, whatever. Um, uh, let's see. And then uh, Eric the Vending Guy was just here. Uh, you heard us rushing to a break like the gluttonous bastards we are because Eric the Vending Machine Guy was here. Um, picked myself up some of the uh, Cars Sweet and Spicy Mix, which is fantastic. We were talking about Paul Stanley. He says, Rick, about Paul Stanley. By the way, I have a six-inch star child Paul Stanley that rides shotgun with me in the van. Uh, good for you, sir. At some point, let me just play one or two here, and then we'll do more news and uh, and so forth. People have been... I played a few of these last week. Adam from the Pimp Squad was really, really on me. He was agitating for more, and I just... Uh, we just haven't had... We just haven't had a chance, and we don't really have time here, but I'll, I'll do a couple. Uh, so this is uh, from this collection that a guy gave me of just nothing but Paul Stanley's stage banter. Uh, Sarah, pick a number between 1 and 70. 53. All right. Let's see. Paul Stanley, ladies and gentlemen. How we doing so far? You know, it's amazing. We got people here tonight. We got people here tonight from New York. We got people from Italy. France. Brazil. Most of you crazy people are right here from Australia. We are so glad to be with you. There you go. There's I that. poorly. Uh, I've got a whole seat. I got a a, a Portland uh, 
Remember that show at Clark County we went to? Yeah, yeah, Kiss? yeah. I've got a CD of that show. Uh, that it's so great, fun. too, because it's Portland! You know, just totally does the, the whole thing. I'm going to play. Let's just play one more here. Um, I'm not sure if we played this one last week or not. All right, listen. I want to know if we got any people here tonight that like to get high. We got any people tonight that are high. <laughs> I love Boston. All right, then, listen. You know... Every once in a while, we like to get a little wasted. We like to take a taste of alcohol. <laughs> so great. I tell you, when we won't get going, we ain't going to be drinking no Southern Comfort. No, no. No, we ain't going to be drinking no tequila. Because I tell you, well, we won't get going. You know there's only one drink that gets us moving. What's that drink, Sarah? I don't know. I can't hear you. What is it, Sarah? I remember this from last week, and I don't know. I can't hear you. Louder. Cold gin. Uh, the cuts off the date. It's cold gin. Cold gin. There you go. Is that Richard Pryor? <laughs> I can. It, 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 it sounds like, I mean, he's just such a weird amalgamation. You know, he's like at the Brooklyn, but he's got this sort of like gospel thing going on, but he's got the evangelist thing going on, but he sounds dumb. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's just so great. There, I mean, just really, I just, uh, he's just, there really is only one Paul Stanley. It's just fantastic. Sounds a lot like Jonas Nightingale, uh, there, or rather Jonas Nightingale sounds a lot like him. Jonas Nightingale is the tent preacher that Steve Martin portrayed in the movie, um, Leap of Faith. He's a sort of a big, like a big tent revival evangelist preacher, and I don't know this for sure, but I am fairly certain that Steve Martin's character, his delivery, is based a lot on Paul Stanley, because he has that great thing, and now I'm talking about a thing only I care about, but in the movie Leap of Faith, Steve Martin, I just love that movie. I love that movie so much. It's one of the great overlooked films. I mean, not a perfect film. It's got flaws, but it's so good. And so Steve Martin is playing uh, uh, Jonas Nightingale, who is this sort of scam, faith-healing guy, and he has that... Uh, he has that thing where he's like, uh, God, no, God don't want no doubt money. God don't want no doubt money. And oh, no, it's just, and it's like, it's so clearly taken from Paul Stanley. All right. At the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, since we last spoke, more credit card numbers have been stolen. Now, Alaska, excuse me. <clears throat> Now Alaska and Horizon Airlines have announced a formal call center employee may have stolen credit card information from 1,500 Alaska and Horizon Air customers. A uh, spokesman for the airline says the credit cards involved are from people who had changed their reservations. The money was diverted by a former call center employee to a personal account rather than to the airlines. Um, now those customers are not being held responsible for any repayment, and we do not believe there was any other misuse of their credit and debit cards. So don't worry about it. Everyone's credit card number is going to be stolen at the end of the day. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's just a matter of time. Like, your turn will come. That's the thing. Like, everybody gets fished on MySpace. Everybody has their credit card information. Can I just Poor tell you? cubicle dwellers making seven bucks an hour are going to get even. I have stealing from you. I have to tell. Well, especially because any number of these companies, I'm not saying that's the case here, but any number of these companies have prisoners doing their telephone work. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, this is, if you've seen that movie, The Big One, you know that that's true. I think it was TWA at one point was like having guys in federal prison handle your out of the, so they have your credit card number and they know when you're going to be out of the country for like a week. So, and they have your home address. 
Uh, my wife and I just got a brand new shredder, though. Boy, that's fantastic. That I, shredder is so deep. I love shredding. Man, can I tell you what we did this weekend? Here's how exciting my life is. You know what we did on Sunday? We cleaned out the junk drawer. Because we did that big clean of the house, like five hours of cleaning a couple weeks ago. We didn't do, we stopped at the junk drawer. We, everybody at ha- house has the junk drawer. Yep. In our case, it's underneath the microwave where everything just gets shoved. We find, I was like, F it. Because she lost something and we were trying to find it. And I'm like, maybe it's in the junk drawer. I said, knowing it wasn't really there, but just as like an excuse. We cleaned out the junk drawer. You have just the things that you found. I mean, like 10 half-used packs of gum. I mean, you don't just, weird. I mean, just like, they just, they're there the whole time. It's your junk drawer? It's, it's, you know, it's maybe about foot and a half across, about two feet deep. But, I mean, it was packed. It was packed. Ten, ten half-used checkbooks from four addresses ago. I mean, they don't even have us in the same part of the city. Uh, let's see, what else? The batteries, I mean, probably $3 and change. Half a pound of sunflower seeds that had spilled in there at some point. All that stuff in there. Um, it's just like weird, like chips from Vegas casinos we don't remember visiting. Uh, but we just, but we have a big shred pile now where we all the stuff, we're going to go get, get our shredding done. And it, uh, we do it like once a week. And we have the big shredder, too, that does credit cards. It does it. It's CDs. It's I, I mistakenly put my brand new AAA card in it. Really? I oh, managed to snatch it out. No, oh, there's no snatching that back. No, no, no. The ones that's in there, once the shredder's got a hold of it, it's, it's shredded. Uh, we found credit cards in there. We didn't even know they'd sent this. Like, they'd never been activated. So thank God we found it. Because, again, some jackass comes in, steals it. Suddenly you're out like 50 grand or whatever. So... Anywho. All right, it's Tim Riley. But you know what happened? I was cleaning out my junk drawer. No. I had forgotten that my spare remote control for the garage door was in there. So here I am foraging around, and I forgot that it was in the mystery box. So I'm moving the mystery box back and forth and cleaning out, and the garage door kept opening and closing. Who is <laughs> <laughs> trying to break into my house? And I'm, in my head, I cut to the external shot of the house where uh, your door's going up and down. Hey, I have a question for you, Tim Riley. Uh, yeah. You're the homeowning type. I am. So... Here's the thing. We have a garage door that does not have a manual open. In other words, there's no handle on the outside. Uh, okay. It doesn't have... So, like, if we were to lose the garage door opener, we would be effed. Or if the battery were to suddenly go dead and we couldn't get it, we would be screwed. Don't you have the little pull the red thing inside? No, well, but that's inside. Oh, I and see. It doesn't, and it's not attached to that. I mean, it's, in other words, there's no door from the house into the garage. There's no external door to no, the no, garage? No, no, you, you must go in the big garage door to get into the garage. Oh, you're screwed. Well, so my, but here's the thing. We have the garage door opener. But my question is, how, how do we get a second one? Do you oh, see what I'm saying? Okay. I have the garage door opener. It currently works, but how, where do I go? How do I get a backup one? Do I just take the opener in? Because they got to match the frequency and the type. And then where do, what do I even do with that? Mm-hmm. How do I get a second garage door opener? That is a good question. You're going to have to find out the original manufacturer and who has it locally. And then, but where do you then go? I mean, do you go to like, like will, Sears or something? You would bring it to where you bought it from. But we didn't buy it. It was there. Okay. You're going to have to find out the manufacturer and trace it. Uh, sounds like a lot of work. Oh, it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> You're fantastic. We love you, Tim Riley. Just a just a ray. Well, I try not to black sun the impossible. No, no, no. You give us the facts as they need to be delivered. Yeah. So it's uh, because occasionally we'll lose it, mm-hmm. and then we find and we're like, oh God, we're just going to be so screwed. We got to get a backup one made, and then we find it, and then we forget about making a back. But one of these days, it's just not. We're not going to find it, and we won't be able to get into the garage at all because again, there's no external handle and there's no external door, and every, like everything is in there. So, all right, I got to figure that out. If you know how to do that, it's probably not worth calling, but maybe email me about that. All right, here's Tim Riley. So this is kind of interesting. The ground is so hot 
How hot was it? 812 degrees. As a matter of fact, the shoes will melt right off your feet. Where is this? This is in California. It's an unexplained thermal abnormality. It's caused by a patch of land in Ventura County, just north of Los Angeles, to reach a temperature of over 800 degrees, baffling experts who have been monitoring the area for weeks. This was discovered after the land got so hot it started a brush fire and burned three acres. That was going to be my question. Why isn't it just all on fire all the time? Because the temperature, as we know, of paper burning is only 451. Well, it burned away the brush. Jesus. And, of course, in California, after you burn away the brush, it has to go back. It's over a hell mouth. There's no trees or anything. Uh, so firefighters have brought to the scene after reports of a blaze, but by the time they arrived, only smothering dirt remained. They took no chances with the smoking ground, clearing brush near the fumes and cutting a fire line around the area to prevent it from igniting. Well, you know, that's got to be like a volcano or something. Uh-huh. The area had uh, reported uh, high temperatures at least five times since 1987. The hot spot is located in a steep, rugged terrain a few miles north of the town of Fillmore. Well, they just need to be... Oh, this is from Bruce's hometown, Fillmore, California. On land owned by the U.S. Bureau of Land Management. They just need to be building like some sort of a hot tubbing place over that. So they come up with a few theories as to why the ground soars to 812 degrees. One theory is uh, natural hydrocarbons, such as oil and gas, are burning deep in the earth and seeping out through cracks in the area, causing the surface to rapidly heat and generate smoke. Uh, apparently, the U.S. Forest Service recently stuck a thermometer into the ground and got a reading of 550 degrees. Oh, that's just freaky. And melted the glue holding the sole of his boots together. <laughs> the... After that, we were more cautious of where we were standing for too long. The place was filled with demons. Uh, by the way, Bruce's Rick Dude, at 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time this Friday, the voice of Rick Emerson will be heard loud and clear in Salt Lake City behind the Zion okay. Curtain. I will be opening the bay door of my warehouse and blaring my speakers until they blow. It's been hotter than a Timmy Ryan racetrack here, so everyone's doors are open. I should be able to reach at least five other businesses. That is 75 people helping to spread the word Sam in Salt Lake City. Is there any way it might be played inside the Mormon temple? Uh, I don't really know. That seems probably difficult, but not impossible. Special request? You know, Mormons are... On letterhead? They're a clever people. Uh, so you know who's to say? You know what you could do? I'm not advocating this. You could uh, rewire that, announce system, that announcing system they got there at Temple Square. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, this guy says, you sound just like Gary Owens. Like, in other words, when you speak, Tim, uh -huh. he pictures Gary Owens when you're talking. Hmm. So, that's fantastic. Gary's still around. I, I met him once. Really? Yeah, Did he talk like that in person? Yeah, he does. Why, hello. I can't do Gary Owen's voice. Um, he still sounds the same and works all the time. You know who still sounds the same is Don Pardo. Yeah, Don Pardo is Don Pardo. You know, he still does that. And starring Seth Rogen. I mean, he's still, it's like you, I mean, Don Pardo doesn't sound any older than he used to. No. It's fantastic. God bless him. All right. Uh, well, we're just going to sweep the top here, which is not unlike sweeping the leg in Karate Kid, but with time. So uh, let's do a couple more, and then uh, we got some observations and some things. I got all this uh, spicy uh, peanut mix to be eating. Here's Tim Riley. It looks like uh, Mark Wahlberg will make a cameo appearance on Entourage. He is a 37-year-old actor-slash-producer now, and he has upcoming productions in film, television, and his own family. He'll make a cameo appearance on Entourage when the fifth season begins next month. And his third child with fiancée Rhea Durnham is due in September. Then it returns to action star roots as Max Payne, a crime thriller based on a gritty video game. The Max Payne movie looks pretty cool, by the way, just the, the, the sort of artwork I've seen for it. It's a, it's a, it's a noir detective video game that, uh, that the kids like. So the, uh, the artwork for that looks pretty great. Then he'll start training for his role in The Fighter, playing boxer Irish Mickey Ward. I'm thrilled, he said. Life couldn't be better. I guess not. I like Mark Wahlberg. I always kind of pull for that guy, even when he's making bad movies. Uh, let's see here. Something about how I'm misusing the word 
density and something else. Uh, let's see. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Driving Mr. Obama. The U.S. Military Tribunal has found Salim Hamden guilty of the first trial. Did you mean Mr. Mr. Osama? Yes. All right. Uh, he's uh, found guilty of the first trial of detainees at Guantanamo Bay. He's accused of conspiring with al-Qaeda and providing support for terrorist activities. Wait, he's so he's bin Laden's driver on case yes. in Portland? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, all right. Uh, he faces life in prison like he's not already there. Well, I mean, seriously, I, I, mean, I, mean, what, I mean, what is the, why did they even bother to have a trial? I mean, ridiculous. I, all right. Well, I mean, look, maybe maybe he's not really the trigger man, but it seems like you can't be the personal driver for Osama bin Laden and not be guilty of something. That would be my take on that. Uh, looking at the calls here, what do we have? Mm, all right. Let's see. Um, oh, you know what we need to talk about? And we got Peter Carlin coming up later. I don't even know if we have time to do this here. I got all this stuff to do. It's just it's just so much. Pick, pick one item. Uh, Anyone? Uh, that's impossible, Tim. It can't be done. Pick a half of one then. Um, well, here's what's coming up. We got the top five running songs. Got Peter Carlin. Oh, crap. Got these calls to get to. Uh, Should I just randomly pick some? Yes, it's up to you. Okay. You have carte blanche. Uh, well, we'll do Peter Carlin here in a while. We'll talk to him. Uh, and then I we got to talk about this thing about that thing I told was telling you guys about before the show. Yeah. Yeah, we got to do that. Uh, let's just do these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. Speak now. Hey, Rick. What's up? I was wondering if you guys have seen Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. You know, I'm like the last nerd on Earth that hasn't seen it. I know it crashed the Internet at one point, like it just destroyed the web. Um, uh, Cheryl, the Hawaiian upstairs, big Whedon fan, talked to me about it. I haven't watched it yet, uh, but apparently well, it's pretty... it was sent to me like 70 times. It's pretty great. I, I haven't watched it yet just because I suck, but uh, is it all that it purports to be, sir? It absolutely is. It's about 45 minutes long. It's a three-act musical. It's also got Neil Patrick Harrison Excellent. and Judy Hauser. You know, Joss um, Whedon is just Joss Whedon has creativity just coming out of his fingernails. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's what. Uh, actually, I was just uh, at home. I was flipping through Hulu and I saw the name and I said, anything with a name like that has got to be good. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I've watched yeah. it four times now. All right, Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog, uh, the latest joint from uh, Joss Whedon. Okay, I'll put it on my. I'll try to get it done this weekend. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Rick, no Rick. problem. So the thing is, with uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, I, I you just need to go see it, go see it now, go see it in the theater, go see it at Laurel Horse, because there is a part where there is a Dracula puppet musical. Really? It is so, you will love this movie so much. Like, right. It has a Dracula puppet musical. Okay. Well, maybe I'll go see it. Okay. Maybe the wife and I will go see it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's just do a couple of the, let's see this. Here's a funny email. Uh, this says about the, let's see, where did this go? It says it's about drilling for oil. Let's see, where did it go? No, so maybe I maybe I've lost it now. See, again, I'm promoting something that I don't have in front of me. Uh, let's see. Wait, hold on. Here we go. This is from Jesse. He says a lot of guys named Jesse. It's like 500 Jesses. Rick, if you're interested in oil prospecting, it seems you're in close proximity to one of the largest untapped oil sources in the world, Timmy Ryan's scalp. He seems more than happy to be greasy for free. I'm sure he wouldn't mind being compensated for the use of his seemingly endless supply of body petroleum. Just a thought. I think I speak for all of us when I when I say ick. Uh, no, it's not from his girlfriend. Uh, who came into the studio yesterday. She was showing her support for her man uh, out there, uh, looking very nice, by the way, in a black and red polka dot dress. You see when she was trying to be all nice and bring him Gatorade, and he just totally shuns her as he's running around the track? Well, it's because he's got to keep his pimp hand strong, sir. Yeah. you got to let the, you know. You gotta let... Actually, no, I'm going to wait to say that stuff until after we have to do our speech tomorrow. Yes. Well, he's probably writing it as we speak. we got to do our, uh, our concession speech tomorrow. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey Rick, Sarah, so, Tim, how's it going? Hello. Hey, I, know, I know what I know what Tim looks like, but it, I still every time I picture him, I picture the the Nazi guy from the Blues Brothers. Uh oh, um, Artie, not Artie Johnson. 
Um, the, also the neighbor from the Burbs. He looks just like that guy. Who's the who's the who's the guy? Is it the is, God? Who's the guy from um? God, the Nazi. You're talking about the leader. The, the guy, leader, yeah. The, the guy, guy was the, the, the neighbor with the, the creepy neighbor guy from the Burbs. Ah, uh, and the guy. What is his name? Not Artie Johnson. Uh, it's the guy who. It's the the Mr. Blues is gonna f up, and when he does, yeah. he better hope the police get to him before we do. What is that guy's name? Is it Artie know. Johnson? Now I gotta look it up. I gotta IMDb I it right now. Artie Johnson is dead. Uh, well, this guy's not dead. Uh, That's what is? Uh, what else do you have to share with us today, sir? Oh, about your uh, uh, garage door opener. Yeah. You buy a generic one from. Uh... You know, Radio Shack or whatever, and inside it, if you take the battery cover off, there's a little um, bank of like 12 two-way switches that sets the frequency. So you just look at your other one, you set the new one to that that same configuration. Oh, I see. So, so, so I open the the garage opener I currently have, and then I set the new one to be the same. Yeah, there should just be 12 little, you know, two-way switches, like right. on or off, basically, and you set them All right. to look like the other one. Yeah, because I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be asked. So, is this like a FEMA trailer when you can open up any number of them with the same thing? Well, that means you could open one out, one out of twelve. Yeah. Could probably well, open one I think, out of twelve. I don't think it's, well, I mean, it's a combination of up, you know, two ways for twelve switches. So, so there's whatever, however many combat twenty four combinations or something. All right. Well, beats my forerunner, which apparently can be opened with one out of four keys. Oh, and one uh, one more thing about St. John's. I live in North Portland, but not quite St. John's. Yeah. And I was in St. John's, and I got a Subway sandwich. In my neighborhood, I'm okay with. But I went to the Safeway in downtown St. John's. Yeah. When I went inside to go to the bank, I took my sandwich and locked it in my trunk because I was afraid somebody would steal a subway sandwich from my car. <laughs> that is St. John's in a nutshell, sir. Got All right. It. Thank you, my friend. Right, uh, the guy you. I'm thinking of is Henry Gibson. You know Henry Gibson? Oh, yeah, I remember him. He's on Laugh-In. Is he still alive? He, well, let's see. Henry Gibson. Henry Gibson, alive. Not that old, actually. He's only 73. So there you go. Uh, so a guy pictures you. He pictures Henry Gibson when you talk. When you talk, Henry Gibson appears, Tim Riley. Hmm. That's pretty amazing. Uh, all right, let's see. He here. does look similar. Uh, how do you mean? Well, he looks a little bit older, but I'm saying if we went back to like the 19. Oh, you mean like if you were to put yourself put uh, your at, Martin's lap at equal ages? You believe? Yeah. I think there's a certain similarity there. I can see that. Uh, hey, Richie Bristol, are we going to be uh, are we going to be acquiring the services of Peter Carlin here? Let's see. Uh, did you get this thing about a guy cuts off his own head in bizarre suicide? No. Right, let me read this. Somebody did it a couple of months ago, too. No, somebody did it to somebody else. Different guy. Oh. Wealthy businessman committed suicide by tying a steel rope to a fence, wrapping it around his neck, then speeding off in a car. Uh, the car containing the decapitated body of... A lot of decapitations happening. A lot of decapitations It's the year of the decapitation, definitely. Did you see that banner ad that's going around the net? No. It says, uh, wherever you be heading, Greyhound gets you there. I'm just reporting on that as a journalist. Is that from Don Draper? <laughs> Let's have a meeting. What a good segue that is. Let's welcome now to the... I don't have Peter Carlin sounder. I had to get the Mad Men sounder make that his intro theme. Let's see. Uh, I got nothing. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian, uh, Peter uh, Carlin. Hello, sir. Hey, man. What's up with you, brother? Ooh. Well, I'm, this is like my first day of full-time book leave for uh, the next four months. So you were taking time out of your sabbatical. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, let me finish the story. Uh, the car containing the decapitated body of Tadu Sedchek sped off down the street as his head bounced toward his home oh. with his horrified family looking on. Holy cow. 
Why are we reading? Is this? Well, what? Wait, I missed the beginning of the story. I'll just I'll read it from I'll read it from the top. I'll right. read it from. I might, tell you, uh, I might tell you to stop at some point. Hold on. Wait, where did I used to have that? The uh, what was that? The uh, that walking on was it walking on sunshine? Yeah. What was that thing, Sarah? What was that? The yeah, that was the Katrina and the waves. Yeah, but what was the but what was the bed we had? It was for like it's the worst story you've it ever was, heard. It was walking on sunshine. Uh, but it was like a karaoke version. I think I might have lost that, unfortunately. We used, we used to do this feature called, it was the search for the worst story ever. So, okay. And it was like, so we would, and it would just be one horrifying story after another, and then the audience would vote uh, as to what the worst song was. Do you have it? Yeah, All right, let's, okay, we'll go ahead, yeah. So, and so then we would have two horrible stories, and then the audience would vote, and the goal was to try to find the worst story in the history of the world. And I think we stopped it because we got a story that was so gross it couldn't be topped. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it was just it was just so unbelievably awful. Uh, so this this is sort of the thing, bless you, Sarah, this is the sort of thing that we would do uh, in aid of that. And I think this comes to us from uh, from the from the Daily Record uh, in the U.K. Are we... Uh, the YouTube's just are very slow. Yeah, it's slow. Okay, we'll give it one more second here and then we uh, we might just plunge on ahead. I think it'll be worth it. All right, we're going to... Uh, how are you, Peter Carlin? How are you, Peter? Do you, Peter Carlin, what's your favorite Billy Joel song? Um, for reals? Yes. Um, honest to blog. <laughs> honest to blog. My favorite, you know, it would have to be something off of uh, the nylon curtain, which I thought was his great. His, his like Goodnight Saigon or something? Oh, hell no. No, no, no. That's a terrible song. Happen. I'm glad it's not Goodnight Saigon. That's no, awful. Uh, you know, Laura was a good song, which you would like. I don't really think I know that song. It's a great song. There's that, and um, she's right on time. All right. Heard any good jokes lately? Uh, <laughs> no. All right, here we go. Oh, we have it? All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's the story Peter Carlin requested. Right here on the Rick Emerson radio program from the Daily Record. Businessman cuts off his own head in bizarre suicide. Oh, okay. A wealthy businessman committed suicide by tying a steel rope to a fence, wrapping it around his neck, then speeding off in his car. The car containing the decapitated body of Tadeusz Sedchek sped off down the street as his head bounced toward his home while his family looked on in horror. Police are baffled as to why the 48-year-old from the village of Jakubo in eastern Poland wanted to kill himself in such a grisly fashion. They said he waited for his wife to come home, called his family out onto the lawn, and then took his own life. That's a hostile gesture right there. What do you think? Family had gone out about two hours before the suicide. His mother said, I think something went wrong in his life recently. It seems to me that white him might be why he killed himself. The family is receiving counseling for shock. Yeah? There you go. You want to hear one other story that was part of our hunt for the worst story ever? Um... Little, little, just go back to the, to the days of way back. Let's right. see. Uh, wait, hold on. Uh, let's see. Let me just pick a bit. I, I kept some of the big the big winners here. Let's Okay, I'm going to read you this one. Let's see. All right, here we go. Uh, hey, uh, Sarah, which one, is, which one is worse? We've got these two headlines. Oh, I don't know. Do you remember these? No, but they're both terrible. We'll do this one. All right, Peter, this is a real story. Okay. This was in our competition for worst story ever. Right. Are you ready, sir? Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, this story comes to us from... The hell does this come to us from? From the star Brisbane, Australia, from the Associated Press. An Australian woman was killed by a pet camel 
given to her as a 60th birthday present after the animal apparently tried to have sex with her, police said. Wow. The woman whose name was not released was killed Saturday at her family's sheep and cattle ranch near Mitchell. Mitchell. 600 kilometers west of Queensland State Capital, Brisbane. The 10-month-old male camel, which weighed 150 kilograms, knocked the woman to the ground, lay on top of her, then exhibited what police termed mating behavior. I'd say it's probably been playing or maybe even a sexual sort of a thing, said Gregory, adding the camel almost suffocated the family's pet goat by straddling it on several occasions. Camel expert Chris Hill said he had no doubt the camel's behavior was sexual. Hill, who was offered camel rides to tourists, I'm supposing that's an unfortunate play on words, for 20 years, said young camels are not aggressive but can be dangerous if treated as pets. The fate of the camel was not known. The woman was giving, uh, given the camel in March as a birthday present from her husband and daughter. The article finishes with the statement, the woman had a deep love of exotic pets. There you go. Yikes. Well, what else is new? And there. What is this big address you're giving on the 8th? Uh, the 8th, 888, my friend, 888, the Emerson address that is coming up uh, sooner rather than later. That is, uh, uh, what, about 72 hours from now? Yeah, I got a press release. No, 48 hours from now. How many? Uh, 48 hours from now. You got a press release about it? Yep. That's the, that's the mighty wing of the CBS marketing department in action right there. Oh, yeah. Well, on we've every year since uh, 666, we've done something. 666, we had horns across the Hawthorne. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Do you really? Yeah, I right. read about that in the press release. Uh, on 777, we had a live concert event with our good friend Vanilla Ice. Right. Uh, this year, we decided to do something different. It's come to our attention that some unfortunate souls in this city and beyond are not listening to the Rick Emerson Show, which I find to be an unacceptable state of affairs. Okay. Uh, especially because as uh, the three-time winner of the Oregon Entertainer of the Year Award, it appalls me. Uh, that there are people who are not yet listening to this show and this station. Who actually gives the, the Oregon Air Entertainer of the Year Award? That would be me, Rick Emerson. Oh, you give the award. I did. Do you give it to yourself? Yes, I did. Uh, three <laughs> three years running now. Uh, coming up on a fourth year, nobody else even in I contention. Your teenage boys give themselves the Entertainer of the Year Award, too. Anyway, go ahead. Are you, is, are you speaking in code? Uh, yeah, I am, but it wasn't very funny, so let's just... Was that a button. masturbatory reference? Yeah, it was. Like corralling the tadpole? <laughs> Something like that. All right. Sorry. Um, in any event, so this coming Friday, 2 p.m., uh, we are encouraging every listener uh, to find a radio or as many radios as they possibly can, as many speakers, as many loudspeakers, intercom systems, uh, web stream. We got somebody, a listener in Puerto Rico named Sarah. She is her IT uh, supervisor. She's the IT supervisor. She's going to be patching the web stream in to 432 different offices in the 10-story building where she works in Puerto Rico. Well, where she uh, will have worked until that afternoon. Uh, she actually did say that if, she be, if she's fired, it'll be worth it, sir. Uh, and then on Friday, this coming Friday, 2 p.m., 888, uh, we, that is to say I, will be giving an address to Portland, to Oregon, to the United States, and beyond. A message wow. of... As Janis Joplin, yes, as Janis Joplin would say, a message of great social and political import. Uh, so, when my shrink asks me if I ever have delusions of grandeur or if I believe that I have secret information that only I know that everybody else must hear about, the answer is yes. Sweet. So that's coming up this Friday, sir. Okay, cool. Will you be turning up a radio at 2 p.m.? Uh, if you're going to give me a shout out. <sighs> All right, hold on. <laughs> Shout out. This is the only time I'm doing this. Nobody else call up. I'm not giving any more shout outs. You Do got him at a good time, too, because he's talking about this huge statement that he has yet to write or figure out what I haven't the hell written he's going to do. People are asking me what it's going to consist of. I have nothing. 
I wow. prepared nothing. How long so. is it going to be? Uh, about 90 seconds, probably. Two minutes most. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, you, know, you can bang that out. Seriously. You know, there's only so much you can do. So uh, right. we're going to two minutes. That's coming up. Right. Uh, let's talk about Mad Men. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, we typically try to get you on Monday. This week's a little crazy, uh, but it's okay because it took me till last night to see Mad Men this week. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I mean, just it's, it, I watched it actually twice. Yep. Watched it once, and then once again, uh, once with my wife. That would be twice. Just what an exceptional program that is. Oh, I know, in every possible way. I mean, you know, I don't know that I'm going to say that it's flawless, but, I mean, it's it's really, really so head and shoulders above the anything. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not just in a production design way, although the color scheme, the palette, the, 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 the composition of the shots. Yeah. I mean, I know enough to know that that takes a lot of work, and it's a beautiful show. It really is. Yeah. And just the layers of humanity they peel back, and they don't do things as shocks or sudden revelations uh, they they seem to be very natural when they happen like the thing of peggy and the baby mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and as uh, tim riley said tim riley said he loves Mad Men because it uh, it confirms to him that it's not his imagination people really are cruel and stupid and have always been that way and uh you know and and for me as i and i always say this about that show it is so interesting to watch because i'm thinking of peggy who she's what mid-20s on that show late-20s Mid, maybe. So, and that's 62, so she would have been born at, let's say, 36. Mm -hmm. That makes her the same age as my mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was born in 1936. My mom is 73, or 72. Uh, So Peggy would now be 72. So I I look at Peggy, and then I think about my mom, and I think that my mom was not working in an office at that point, but was coming of age in that same era. Mm -hmm. And when you think... had no idea she was pregnant with young Rick Emerson. Yeah. That's creepy. Uh, and, you know, it's just a weird, weird thing. And, and, and I mean, the, the great thing about Mad Men, one of the many great things, is that it is now February of 1962 in that show, and it's going to be waiting to see that giant tsunami of cultural, sexual, musical change yeah. hit that company. Well, it's already coming. I mean, you can sort of sense it in, 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 you know, in Peggy's authority. That whole scene, it was, I think, in the first episode. No, it was the second one where at their party at... Uh, Paul's house, and everyone is so freaked out about going to Montclair, New Jersey, right. which is where my in-laws come from. And it's a very leafy suburban community near New York City. It's not the least bit threatening at all, and yet Pete's wife is afraid of Negroes hurting their car. Right, <laughs> right. Like, you know, they're so they're so parochial. You know, you, you take them off the that, that Manhattan grid, and they have no idea. They're terrified. What do you make of that interaction between Joan Holloway, the sort of bombshell yeah. office manager, and what's his name, Kinsey, where she kind of calls him out on being a, a self-consciously styled or whatever, a word yeah. like that, beatnik? Yeah. yeah. I mean, just a cutting, and I, you know, I would butcher it if I tried to do it justice, but she basically, what she essentially said is, you know, you're a poor little rich, rich boy living in this sort of fake bohemian house smoking a pipe wearing an ascot dating a black girl just to try to prove how different you are right, right. and i mean it that that i mean that left a mark i mean i felt like somebody had razored me when she said that yeah she's pretty she's pretty sharp tongued uh i but mean she's 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 cruel and plus also she's a bit of a i mean i think she did see through his sort of phony poseur aspect but right. on the other hand she's a bit of a fearful, you know, unreconstructed racist 
type. Yeah. Because she was saying all those mean, belittling things. Oh, yeah. When, Sheila. Totally. She's like a very sweet and warm and, and intelligent person. And so you've got, you've got this sketch. There's a, a black girl that uh, Kinsey is dating. And she reveals at one point that she's like a, you know, like a checker or something at the supermarket or whatever. And Joe makes that horrible statement about, well, someday you'll drive in as a customer. Yeah, I know. And she's like, well, I already did. I grew up here. I know. And, you know, and, and it's like she's going to college, you know. I and mean, and, and there's just not a whole lot that's, you know, I don't see what there is that, you know, that places Joan and the social, you know, socioeconomic food chain above Sheila. You know, and the weird thing is it's 1962. So you're not allowed, I mean, I don't say you're not allowed, but it's 1962, meaning... You're supposed to be hipper than that? Well, it's not even that. It's, I was thinking about this when Joan is really, really being so horrible, I almost said a bad word, almost just being so catty, though, uh, about this guy and his girlfriend and the girlfriend's race and the whatever. And, you know, if somebody tried that crap now... You just say, dude, like, what, I never, you know, quit being such a racist bastard. Like, knock it off. Yeah, but I think Joan sort of sees her options in life sort of frittering away as but, she ages, which was the point of the whole moment where... The driver's license. Yeah, and who put that there, you know? But it's like, but don't you also agree that in 1962, even if he had said, look, I never would have pegged you as a racist, it really disappoints me, that doesn't carry the same sort of condemnation that it does now. Hmm. Yeah, so in 1962, you tell somebody, like... You know, hey, you're a real racist. They might go, well, you know what? That's just your problem. So, you know, whatever. I'm just old-fashioned. Yeah, or just, uh, you know, whatever. They would have some sort of... Here's an here's my father-in-law. Uh, here's an interesting thing. My father-in-law, who's in his 70s, he, um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that he was a bad, a bad person in every regard, but he is very narrow-minded about issues of race, very intolerant in some ways about racial and cultural uh, integrations of all kinds. And he actually will describe himself, and not in a sort of ironic way, but just a very matter-of-fact way, he will actually refer to himself as a racist. And I, I remember having a discussion with him, you know, just to sort of, you know, because it's what you do. We're visiting him in Utah. And we were talking about, the, I think, maybe the upcoming election or something. And, and I think the issue of Barack Obama came up, who at that point was really just sort of a contender, wasn't the nominee. And my father-in-law said... And he said it as though he was describing the way that, like, a pencil sharpener works. Like, it was just sort of fact. And he goes, he goes, well, Rick, you know, as you may know, now I'm a bit of a racist. So I don't really know that I could bring myself to vote for Barack Obama. And it was so weird the way he phrased it that it didn't necessarily even carry a negative connotation in his head. It was like it was just sort of one other lifestyle choice. And I think in the 60s, it didn't maybe carry that sting, which is why she can get away on that show with being so horrible. Yeah. Anyway, it's all and very... It's such a, and, it's so, I mean, and it's so meaningless, this whole question of, 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 I mean, what your father-in-law said. I mean, I'm sure he's, you know, one of God's children and all that. But that's the stupidest thing you could possibly say. I mean, because, what is, yeah. because it's like, because on the one hand, because first of all, I mean, culturally, I don't think Obama is what you would, you know, he's not that kind of fearsome, bomb-throwing, Black Panther type of african-american man who frightens you because he's not bobby seal yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. i mean bobby seal isn't even bobby seal anymore i mean he makes barbecue sauce and, and is an entrepreneur as all good americans will ultimately be um but uh but this whole but i mean he's culturally obama you know i mean given his 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 you know high-powered ivy league education and his career in in the law and academics and uh and now in at the forefront of American politics, I mean, he's more mainstream, you know, power-centric, Caucasian-seeming, you know, than anyone. And I don't mean any of those things. I mean, I'm not saying that he's a, 
you know, I mean, I, I admire the guy. I think he's a terrific guy. I mean, and, and I think, you know, he's a, a, you know, one of the more admirable people. Well, I think if you were to poll, if you were to just put every American in a room and somehow get have everybody create a sort right. of cultural uh, whatever, like yeah. a cultural, you know, like they'll do this thing in radio where they'll say, like, give me your composite listener. Like, who? draw me a picture yeah. of who the Rick Emerson listener. If you were to sort of say, look, you know, uh, draw just this sort of uh, mental sketch of a sort of, uh, you know, mainstream, just American guy, yeah. maybe an educated mainstream American guy. I mean, you come up with a lot of characteristics in terms of education, in terms of whatever, that Obama certainly matches. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, he, so as you said, you know, comparing him to whatever, the Bobby Seal of yesterday or whatever, but it's just, it's a weird sort of thing, you know, and I say... Fiery, you know. I mean, he's not. I mean, all those things that used to terrify people about, you know, um, about Huey Newton, American, you know, a, yeah. you know, activists of the '60s and stuff. You know, it's like, oh, they want to overthrow the system. It's like, you know, this guy's a product of the system, and he knows it. And and he's, you know, I mean, he's trying to, you know. So it's just, there for whatever, however many reasons people can think of to dislike Barack Obama, and and, and there would be many, you know, legitimate policy-based or cultural-based, whatever. But the whole, like, well, he's black, I mean, it's just sort of like, you've got to be kidding. I, I know. Mean, put yeah. your head down and, and just put your thinking cap on for 20 seconds and come up with, like, a better idea, because I bet you can. It's, it's interesting. I have to say, maybe this makes me a bad person. Uh, and I'm certainly a bad person for any number of hundreds of other reasons. But uh, that, you know, the, 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 and now we're off into politics, but the extreme right wing and many of the extreme conservatives in this country made all that noise about how, like, you know, if it comes down to McCain, uh, we're just not voting. You know, if it comes down to McCain, we'll vote for Hillary. We'll vote for Obama rather than vote for McCain. Mm. And, of course, that's not coming true. You, well, know, you, know why, you know why I would never vote for McCain? He's so fair-skinned. <laughs> I mean, he's got that, you know, I mean, guys who get skin cancer like that, they can't trust him. You know, they just don't have enough, uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say here. Not no, apparently not. I guess, but I guess the point that I was the point that I was going to make is that you know, sort of, uh, I would say a very extreme, somewhat intolerant wing of the right wing in this country, so that they would never vote for McCain, they would never back him, and they would either stay home or not vote for, or you know, or vote for the. But it's weird that I see people like my in-laws. I don't mean to sound like I'm picking on my in-laws. So, honey, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But that it is sort of strangely, I mean, it's disheartening and disappointing, but in a strange way, almost. Almost perversely pleasurable to see how how much of their support for McCain, which they now have, is just based in fear. I mean that they're just and you know what that makes me the reason that makes me happy in a strange way, it makes me sound awful. The reason that it makes me happy to see that sort of fear is because that lets you know that like as the man once said, that the times really are a changing. I mean that's how you know, right? That's how you know that things, whether it's all because of Barack Obama or not, that's how you know that progress and things are moving on and marching forward because you see that sort of intolerant opposition becoming more and more vitriolic. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, the last time there was, the last time we went to Utah, uh, there was, I think there was, there was something, that there was somebody, maybe it was the, 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 maybe it was in California, there being some big step forward for gay marriage. And my in-laws, they just, like, they just couldn't wait to just uncork just all of this, just, like, really just Stone Age mm. nonsense, you know, about the gay agenda and the whatever. And in a way, it's sort of gratifying, you know, because it's like, you know, you're drawing blood. Like, you know that, you know, you know that, you know that it's not a cosmetic change. You know that things are really evolving. So, um, uh, let's see, uh, what else about Mad Men? Um, so... That great moment at the end, and if you haven't seen episode two, you know, not a big spoiler, but that great moment at the end where the um, he's in that restaurant and that beautiful Asian waitress comes over and is clearly coming on to him. Mm -hmm. And maybe because 
his wife, uh, you know, there's been so much drama with the wife and with that neighbor whose husband got busted. Uh, and Don, I guess maybe for whatever reason, he feels like he has to toe the line right now. Is that the is he feeling pressure to become a better husband? Well, there was an interesting scene because that moment where the guy from Mohawk Airlines who is being dismissed right. says, you know, you had me fooled. Yeah, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but you fooled me. What a devastating line that was. Yeah, of course. Which I think, you know, you think that maybe Draper's hearing that as a foreshadowing of his much larger, you know, and and ironically, this wasn't one of his lies. I mean, um, you know, he had been sort of forced to to drop those clients against his will and his sense of of ethics, I guess, or morals or whatever. But um, but I, you know, but obviously, there's a lot of fiction in his life and. Maybe at that moment he was just too busy, sort of worrying about the you know the the distinction between who he seems to be and who he actually is to uh, consider banging a, uh, a you know a pretty Asian. I, I it seems like, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. That guy John Hamm, that actor, when he sort of told the waitress, he's like, you know, not tonight, and he sort of blew her off. It's like I felt like if you watched his face, you could almost see a little bit of I don't know regret or self-loathing, something there, almost like. Uh, you know, like he felt like he was like it was a little emasculating there at that moment that he felt like he had to turn her down because uh, he's a guy who very much just sort of, you know, drink, drinks in life in all of its many forms. Well, he's a complex man. Yeah. Um, this is a great email. This says, Rick, I've been watching Mad Men. Uh, I have a few thoughts. One, as a man who enjoys a good drink and a functional nicotine addict, this show is not helping me in any way whatsoever. I catch myself wanting to light up a cigarette and have a glass of scotch while sitting at my cubicle at work. Uh Two, I've added a new phrase to my lexicon for when my friends are being annoying or whiny. I say, hey, a little less Pete Campbell, a little more Don Draper. Uh, so there was, you know, and, and Don Draper is such a such a deeply flawed individual, but in so many ways, such a man's man. Uh, that episode last week where he told those guys in the elevator, like the woman gets on the elevator, he tells the guys, like, take off your hat, you know? Uh, so anyway, now we're just sitting and waxing each other's cars about madmen. Um... Uh, and a big uh, other big thoughts, observations, ruminations, news, things. Um, no. All right, great, excellent. <laughs> all right, well, you've earned your shout out with that. Uh, all right, we've taken like forever uh, here, so we've eaten eaten up like half an hour. Um, all right, are you now? You're on sabbatical. You're doing the book thing. Are you still going to be able to? Will we able, still be able to have our little fireside chats? I'd love to. All right, great. Uh, we'll catch up with you. Uh, what day is best for you? Whatever you want. Just yeah. call me, and I'll, I'll, we'll figure it out. That's the right answer, my friend. Thank you. All right, Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. Read him in print in the Oregonian, theoretically, online at OregonLive.com. Peter Carlin. Fantastic. Hello, Tim Riley. with your schedule. Well, you know, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, we'll come back after this. Tim Riley, have you news for us? Yes. All right. News, calls, uh, observations. We'll try to get to this top five as well. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Here's Public Enemy. <laughs> The Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Um, do headlines in a moment. Top five quickly. Let's do these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up, brother? Hey, I just had a, a good news and uh, one question. Yes, good sir. news is that uh, on your garage door, if there's 12 different switches, that means there's 4,096 combinations. Oh, there you go. Okay. So cool. nobody's going to be breaking into your garage door. Fantastic. 
And I just wanted to go down memory lane, and I wondered whatever happened to Christina Carlson and how she's doing. Uh, Christina Carlson left. Uh, she she quit radio. Her husband is a youth minister. Uh, they moved to Bend, I think, or Sisters or some damn place, uh, where he is uh, bringing the word of Jesus to kids. And uh, we sort of assume at this point she's had like 50 kids of her own, but I think we're just making that up. So uh, married, moved to Bend with her husband, uh, no longer in radio. Okay, well, that's that's it. All right, there you go. Thank, Thank you. Real quickly, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Quick question, Rick, about, yeah. the, uh, about the camel that tried to curse Aunt Jemima with its owner. Um, I know that there are many different types of camels, but I'm curious if, if that would then be considered a one-hump camel. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Final call before the news in the top five. Yes, hello. Hey, so I was wondering if you had considered um, asking KUFO for like 90 seconds of their FM transmitter on Friday. For the Emerson address. Yeah, it uh, seems like uh, oh, people like right who have... Show yeah, somebody else asked us about that, and I think that would be kind of a jerk move for us to ask. I, I would never do that. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, if somebody... You know, not to not to you know be artificially humble about this, but I mean, it, it, you know, but this show is just one of many shows that people listen to. If somebody from uh, whatever kink said, "Hey, uh, you got to give us three minutes of your airtime so we can broadcast this thing about James Blunt," uh, you know, people might not necessarily be happy about that. So we would, I don't wish to impose on others. Everybody has their own choice. Uh, well, you know, so on I'm, the other hand, you guys have given KFO quite a lot of promotion. Well, that is true. It's uh, I would not hope for that. It's uh, you know, nothing is nothing is impossible. But at this point, we have we have no plans to make such a request. I'll put it that way. All right. All right. Thank, thank you. you, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. And now, now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A GPS device led a convoy of tourists astray, finally stranding them on the edge of a cliff. Oh, wow. This is a group of 10 kids, 16 adults in California. You have reached your final destination. They spent the night deep inside the Grand Staircase National Monument in Cannonville, Utah. Uh, they used a global positioning statement, but the device didn't tell them how rough the roads were. One vehicle got stuck in the sand. Two others ran out of gas. The device offers suggestions that led them onto a string of wrong dirt roads and a series of cliffs. Well, the thing about that GPS is, what brand is it, they say? It well, we shouldn't say because they advertise. Some of those GPSs advertise. But, I mean, you got to, like, use your brain, too. Like, you can't just... They make you press, like, a thing at the beginning that says, like, I agree to look at the windshield and not just stare at the GPS screen, which can be tempting, especially late at night. I was coming back from Malala one time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Malala is just like, at night, it's just like being in ink. It's pitch black. No signs, no roads, no, you know, I mean, this is nothing. And the GPS is really handy then because it's almost like having night vision. But, I mean, you got to have common sense or it's going to drive you into Puget Sound. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Well, they started down a nice graded road. It turned into a series of boulders and deep washes. Uh, and the first time, uh, uh, tourists apparently keep wandering into near oblivion in this part of Utah. <laughs> Uh, people have been getting stranded since this where, monument's been created in 1996. This, this is Grosvenor Arch. Probably, oh, it's in southern Utah. Mm -hmm. Southern Utah will kill you dead. Yeah. Well, that's where you broke down, right? Southern Utah? Yes, it was. Uh, lots of arches and wily coyote stuff. Well, well, I went back there after my car was put back yeah. into bungee cords. Yeah. And uh, it said, do not take rocks. Of course, I took one. Yeah. If well, the sign had not said that, no, I wouldn't have touched it. It says, rock. don't take rocks. That means you're in southern Utah, where everything looks like a road in a cartoon. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, 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 there, every so often, there's families that will like, get lost in Moab or something. And it's like, that's a, it's a desert, man. That's, uh, yeah, that's where nature goes out of its way to kill you. 
So apparently this uh, national park is, well, try to stay away from it. Yeah, well, it you was know, a vacation from hell. Or just, you know, don't be an idiot. Let the GPS assist you. Yeah. All right. Let's do this uh, top five. Here's your top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. What are you doing over there? Your pen just came apart. Yeah. You know the pens? Sometimes you'll be using them, and then it's like they explode in your hand. Like a latch came free somewhere, and the spring just, the whole thing blows apart. And this is that everything I bring from home that works does not work in here. Yeah. Well, it's like... Everything gets a life sucked out of it when you want through that door. Yet this pen was working now, not at all. See? It's like in Southeast Portland, you said nothing there succeeds. Yeah. You come into here and things do... There's an element of fail on certain devices. You bring them into this building, they quit working. Well, I think uh, underneath the board here is an old Indian burial. Yes. Here's Tim Riley. In lieu of Timmy Ryan, running 16 miles in under two hours and 45 minutes, and proving to be the healthiest man in CBS Radio and the universe... Here are the into top five songs with the word run in the title. But honorable mention going to the Steve Miller band, Take the Money and Run. Yeah, these are the top five run songs. Woo-hoo. Oh, I'm early. Woo-hoo. There we go. Who doesn't love Steve Miller? Oh, he's ex-wife. Is there, is there Mrs. ex-Mrs. Miller? I love Steve Miller. I really love that song, Dance, Dance, Dance. Yeah. I remember hearing, uh, wow, what the hell? Is this from a YouTube video? Yeah, I thought it was the actual video, but... Ah, it's a homemade video. Yeah. Any sound effects are coming for the YouTube video. You're not going crazy. I remember when I heard that the first time I heard Rockin' Me by Steve Miller. Uh-huh. I was pretty young. You know, you know, young enough that it wasn't burned out yet for me. I was like maybe 10th, 11th grade, something like that. I thought I heard Rockin' Me, and I was like, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my life. I love Steve Miller. And you know what? He's like, he'll, he's coming to town probably now. He comes to every three months, Steve Miller. He, him and Bowling for Soup. He's coming to town every 90 days. He's, a, he's written a lot of songs. People forget how many great songs he's written. I mean, he, the number of hits... You Send Me, Rockin' Me, Take the Money and Run, Jared, uh, Jet Airliner, Jungle Love, Wide River. Yeah. I love Jungle Love. Yeah. The Joker. I love The Joker. I've never gotten tired of that song. Tim had to play this song, probably. Uh, Excellent. Top five running songs is assembled by Sarah Dillon. Number five, Tom Petty, Running Down the Dream. Yeah. Full Moon Fever. Here's a, here's a fun story. Uh, so last Thursday, I went to see Wednesday 13 at Rock and Roll Pizza. Decent show. Not great, but good. About halfway through his set, he busted out like this death metal cover of this, which is great. And like most of the audience was too young to, to recognize it. They didn't know what it was. They just thought it was some catchy new Wednesday 13 song. But but he's doing it with that like, not a down a dream. You know, so it was pretty great. Me and Got a little song that references Del Shanna. Del Shannon was supposed to be one of the traveling Wolverines. This is such a great album. Boy, and Tom Petty's one of those guys that's had like five comebacks. You know? He was so big in the he's 70s. Always cool. I don't, has he ever been burned out? No, no, not at all. No. He's, he's cool. Uh, 
But it's like every so often he'll drop another album that it's like it's almost there just to remind you, like, hey, I'm still here and I'm the coolest guy ever. Because he had all those hits in the 80s. Then he did Full Moon Fever, which is a late period album for him. He'd been around for 20 years probably already. And this is an instant classic. Uh, then he had Into the Great Wide Open. Then, you know, a couple years, whatever. Then he does um, Wildflowers, which has, you know, You Don't Know How It Feels and You Wreck Me and It's Good to Be King. And then he puts out that... Uh, when was Last Dance with Mary Jane? Uh, around the same time, because that was Greatest Hits. That was, that was not even a regular, it was just a B-side. That was just some extra crap on a Greatest Hits album, and it was good. Kim Basinger. Kim And then he put out that uh, Walls from She's the One, which is a beautiful song. You know? Can't stop Tom Petty. And then he did The Last DJ. I mean, he'd been recording that for 30 years, and he put out that song. I love Tom Petty. Number four, David Geddes, Run, Joey, Run. Yeah, we were playing this the other day, because we thought this was the... Uh, we were confusing this with that daddy, please don't. It wasn't his fault. Uh, what is this? Oh, wait. Now I'm... Okay, now I'm thinking of quick Joey Small. I'm doing it in reverse. Oh, no. We're going through this again. Daddy, please don't. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up now. I'm not going to say anything. But what I sort of realize is I don't actually know this song all that well. I mean, I sort of know it, but I don't really know it that well. This is 70s. Same old dream. It's 70s. Eesh. It sounds very 70s. I can't erase the memory, the sound of Julie's cry. She called me up late that Wait, why is Julie crying? Well, the strange thing is, why were teens running out of time? I don't know. Who's, what teenager? It's a good question. What teenager is buying a song in which Daddy is a big figure? Because Casey Casey played it. Yeah. Alan Freed told them to. When did this come out? Seventy-seven. Mm. I was reading the story for this song, and I guess yeah, the daughter ends up getting shot because the father's trying to shoot Joey, and then she ends up dying. And then the daughter's played by a boy. It's not even a girl; it's a boy. I mean, can you see kids dancing to this? This is the trapped in. This is the trapped in the closet of its day. This sounds like something else. Didn't we decide this sounds like another song? It sounds like something else. That's what it is. It sounds exactly like double W O L D. Not enough sound effects in songs these days. Top five running songs in the estimation of Sarah Dillon. Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run. That's what I'm talking about. Such a great song. 23 when he did this. Bastard. I'm not like a fanatic for Springsteen. I mean, I know a lot of guys. Like, there's a guy who dropped off. I feel like a tool because I didn't really listen. Guy dropped off an 18-disc bootleg set for me. It's like, here's 18 bootleg Springsteen records, which is great. I mean, I appreciate the fact that people love that. I'm sort of somewhere between casual and a big fan. But you got to give it up for this. I mean, this is back in the days, though, when you would get a couple shots before the record company dropped you. Because his first two records sold nothing. It's hard to believe Springsteen put out these records and nobody cared. And he, he knew, he, he said he had one shot left. He's like, this is it. He's like, if my next song is not epic, they're going to can my ass, and I'm going to be back to laying concrete. 
he said he walked into the studio and he's like, the record company basically told him, you got one more single, not even an album. You got one single, and if it's not the best thing ever, we are dropping you and you're going to go back and put up drywall the rest of your life. Can you, is it possible to skip forward a little bit in the song? I want to get to that little breakdown, a swirling orchestral breakdown. I think we're coming up on it here. One of the greatest moments in all of rock and roll. I mean, it's not just a great song. It's got a great moment. And it's where they do the dun, 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 dun. And the great thing about it is I love rock moments. I'm in my top five rock moments sometimes. But they'll do that breakdown. And then there's the swirling din, because it's almost all in one take, I think, and then layered. You actually hear him way back in the background shouting out that one, two, three, four. Let's see. Trying to. Uh... Okay. Mm. Have we have we missed it? Yeah, we must have. Oh, that's too bad. We'll play it later. Anyway, well, right. you all know what I'm talking about. Number Floyd, run like hell. Yeah. What a great song. I can't even imagine seeing this live. I don't even want to talk about it. I've never seen Pink Floyd live. And I kind of resisted seeing them when David Gilmour toured with that so-called Pink Floyd. I was being a real purist. I think if I had it to do over, I probably would have seen just the David Gilmour version of Pink Floyd without Roger Waters. Just just because to hear David Gilmour doing these guitar tracks live would be amazing. You know, just to hear that comfortably numb solo live and in person. I could get past the fact that I think it wasn't Roger Waters for that. And just the way that Waters just shrieks out these lines like that, you know, catch you in the backseat trying to pick her locks, we're going to send you back to Mama in a cardboard box. Yeah. Fantastic. Counting on the top five running songs of all time. Number one, The Ironing Maidens and Run to the Hills. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Like is a 3, Michael Mara Show at 7. We will uh, come back to wrap it up after this, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. Step down and then the swirl, and then you just hear him shouting out in the background, almost buried that one, two, three, four, and then they like kick it and do it again. Such a great moment, one of the best moments ever in the history of things. <laughs> so great. Coming out of your speaker. 
so great. Oh. All right, let's see. we got a minute left. What can I do in a minute? <laughs> uh, let's see. What do I got here? How about this? About the Emerson Address. Rick, remember to tell Todd the Corpse to include a shout-out to Peter Carlin when he inevitably writes your speech for you. <laughs> oh, the people know Rick, who the backbone of the show is. Rick, are you going to end the speech with a Rick roll? Please do. It's your chance to Rick roll the entire city. Well, maybe. All right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and Steve Kastenbaum, as well as Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin and Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Join us tomorrow when we'll talk about the love child uh, with Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Maybe we'll get Ira Melman tomorrow. And Ira Melman. Uh, don't forget, we're just two days away from the Emerson Address happening this Friday, 2 p.m. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, The Talker. You're still fine. I mean, sir, the Talker, 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 Talker. Uh, in the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, the one and only Dave Zinn. Webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. Uh, Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. And, of course, uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. Yes, tomorrow, Dorothy Carcassera from the National Enquirer uh, and more. So, uh, like us next, Michael Mara's show at 7. Uh, we will see. I, I, I'm just filling. I have nothing. You should try and um, convince people to send you ideas for what the hell you're going to say on Friday. Yes, that's the other thing. Also, I have nothing. Uh, you really don't. We've built it up, and now we don't know what the hell we're No, I can't do. suck. Uh, by the way, go to rickemerson.com, check out the Google map, and let us know where you're going to be playing the show at 2 p.m. on Friday, and then send me ideas of what to do. Do my work for me. And stuff. Like us next. Michael Mara Show at 7. See you tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes, everybody. See you tomorrow. News on the mark.